Antonio Brown Watch, episode 93. Uh, my name is John Parker. The coughing person on the other Sorry. side of me is Zach Rotello. Couldn't have been worse timing. Yeah, exactly. Um, just kidding, guys. This is Radiovania, episode 93. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? As Zach would say, if you could talk. Uh, but Zach is not feeling well. Are you, Zach? Just uh, not. I, came, I came down with a little case of the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, he's, got the, he's got the Rona. I got the, the only I got one. the Rona going around right now yeah. so definitely you know i'm sure we'll talk about it more later but yeah we'll talk about it get your boosters get your vaccines you know distance when you can but we've been doing this for two years right we're pros by now yeah we're pros we know it's yeah. but you know what always stays the same zach is radiovania and we're on does. episode 93 um and if you like the show you can follow us on instagram and at gmail or radiovania show at gmail.com and on insta as well as Radiovania on Twitter and Radiovania.com will take you to some of our fantastic videos that we have out there. But hey, it's the Nerdy Public Radio. We're here to bring you the news. We're here to talk about some 21 interview, a little Betty White action, a little Boba Fett action. It's going to be fun. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Sorry, you froze up there for a second. So everything you said was like a second delayed, but it was perfect. It was a well, really well done intro. Well, if it's a little choppy, you know, people are just going to have to get, get used to that. I think we'll figure it out, yeah. It sounded it sounded like a good intro to me. Maybe it was just the video that was choppy, but hey. Yeah. I don't know. But hey, John's, uh, so John Swansong over here is going to be, uh, he's going to be the host today. You're hosting the show. I think You're the last time. The most. I can't remember the last host. time you hosted it. I think the last time you hosted the show was The Lost Cast. Yeah, and that was the most rated, the highest watched, <laughs> the most video. watched so, Radiovanium video of all time. So maybe I should check to see where it's at. Yeah, if this one goes up there, I think uh, I think we might have to have a, a company meeting. But company meeting, yeah, that's true. You can overthrow me. I'm, I'm no, here no, for no, no, no. Means less work for me. We're co-managers. Come on, man. <laughs> co-managers. But yeah, I think uh, Zach, we were uh, wanting seven point seven thousand views that Lost Cast has now amazing people love lost that is they? crazy <laughs> that is really crazy that seven thousand people watch that fucking shit they love a television show with a good ending what can i say yeah oh yeah <laughs> and not they love a show that's not controversial at all <laughs> yeah that was an interesting pod i might have to go back and listen to that one now yeah yeah um so tell us about what we're doing today man you already yeah, talked so about a little bit of the headlines yeah, so this is episode 93, which is going to be mostly our 2021 year in review. We try to do one of these, um, you know, at the at the turn of the year, kind of while everything's fresh in our mind, talk about some of our favorite movies, television, music, things in pop culture, since that's kind of like our our claim to fame here. Um, so we'll be we doing know. that, but what? I said that's what we know. That's all that's we, what know. we know. That's um, what we know. We could talk a little bit about, you know, some of the sports mishaps. Uh, I don't think we've been able to talk about how our fantasy league ended since last episode. So that's true. Maybe that's we true. can lead off with that as we dive into a, a small news flashpoint. But Zach, mm. you, my friend, made it to the championship game of our I fantasy did. football league. Zach's I, team I is uh, the Pat and the Furious. 
Um, and yeah, it was a heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker. He lost. Spoiler alert. But talking. Keep talking. Yeah, you're good. He played our friend Ben, and uh, it all came down to the wire. It was the, you know, the classic tale of the king versus the pauper, if you will. Yeah, it and, was. Uh, uh, you know, it was a hard fought battle at at Ben Rigdon. I know you're not listening to this because you you're too good for Radiovania. You're out there busy, uh, you know, revoking licenses and kicking people out of your building and making Maybe sure that people don't have enough about, food and we should talk about like stonks and then yeah listen. yeah there ben's ben's out there he's just evicting people left and right i heard he evicted yeah. a little abuela the other day and she just like <laughs> cried all the way out there, all the way home um but you know good for him he definitely deserves 550 bucks you know good for him he definitely deserves that money definitely needs it in his life not not you know uh Stubbs McGee over here dying from COVID <laughs> overworked, <laughs> overworked, dying from COVID. It's a horrible yeah. thing here, but, uh, yeah, but I, so I didn't walk away a victor. I walked away, you know, I, I learned a little bit about myself. I was, uh, on, uh, on our draft day, labor day weekend, our draft, I was projected to come in last place in the league and I came in second. So that goes to show you out there kids that, you know, Anything, anything is, ha- anything is, ba- anything is happening. Anything is possible. Anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> anything's possible. And, uh, you know, extra strength to get plenty to of sleep, rise up, vegetables. rise up COVID survivors. We got this, we can do this. And, uh, yeah, so I didn't get a trophy. I didn't get any money, but I didn't, I didn't make myself money. this. Yeah. So Zach's holding up a uh, sweater that he hand printed himself some, uh, some letters on. I think they're iron on letters. It says pig bull, second place champ, second place champ, baby, second place champion. That's the, that's a good outlook right there. Thanks. I appreciate it. I had to, I had to win something. Yeah. I'd have some, if I haven't said it before, buddy, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You, you fought really hard. He beat me twice this year. My little team (laughs) just uh, completely rolled over whenever I played him. The Radiovania Bowl. I, I'm a two-time, you know, I won our division. I won the Radiovania division. Yep. The Ohio yeah, Ohio division. I'm second place champ in the Radiovania division. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, keeper status on Antonio Brown there, uh, podcast host. What do you think? Yeah, so I joked at the beginning about Antonio Brown watch, but in case people aren't, haven't followed football this past weekend, uh, Antonio Brown in the game against the the Buccaneers versus the Jets. He just started taking off his clothes and just left in the middle of the game. Um, Never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it either. I don't know if they've clarified as to what some people are theorizing that he's upset about his bonuses that he gets. Some people are theorizing it could be a mental health thing. I'm not entirely sure. I can't speak on it as an expert, but as the resident Antonio Brown fantasy manager, (laughs) Um, keeper status looking a little grim. He is a free agent. However, I I bet you he plays in the league next year somewhere. Sure, I I think that it's a combination of some combination of the three. Like, uh, you know, he was they were getting they were getting blown out by the Jets. Obviously, after Antonio Brown leaves, they ended up coming back and winning, which I think is the yep. funniest thing about it. Uh, Tommy yep. touchdown turned it on just as soon as AB left the field. Um, yeah. but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he was definitely close to some incentive bonuses, like a couple 300,000-plus bonuses just for extra yardage and touchdowns. 
So I definitely think that there might've been something about that too. But then he also just, this is his first game back from injury and like Arians was second game back from injury. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then, but yeah, Arians was like benching him for some plays. He wasn't playing hundred percent of the snaps. And I think maybe he just like, he snapped. (laughs) So I don't understand to be fair. Like, I don't understand why Arians was doing that though, because like three of their receivers are hurt. Yeah. Godwin's Um, still out. Evans was still out in that game. I'm pretty sure. I think Evans Evans was on the sidelines trying to convince him not to go. Yeah. Well, Which whatever. is just yeah. But um, whatever. Yeah, I you know, definitely he gets a spot when we get to the uh, you know, 2021 pop culture recap section of the show or whatever, but uh definitely. Yeah, crazy. I've never seen anything like that in professional football. No, I mean, I've seen stuff like this happen in the NBA and Sure. But yeah, never never in football. Did you, uh, did you see the video of, um, the Uber driver that picked him up after the show was like videotaping him and him in the car? (laughs) I did. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the Uber driver that just got this alert? And it's like, your, your rider, Antonio (laughs) is waiting for you, (laughs) is waiting for you at, you know, MetLife stadium or whatever they were playing or whatever. It's like, Oh shit. And then you got to go pick him up. Where do you want to go, AB? And he's like, let's go to the strip club. <laughs> like, all right, AB, I'll take you to the strip club. He was just hanging out in New York the rest of the weekend. Pretty funny. He's, you could see him at the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, he went to the Nets side. game. <laughs> yeah. And he was dick-nosing, too. He had his mask. He had his uh, no, big old nose sticking out of his mask and just chilling on his phone watching the Nets. Yeah. And the Nets or whatever. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's enough about him. Let's talk about a real American treasure. So oh, first sure. news topic yeah. is kind of a, a sad one, but like on New Year's Eve, uh, Betty White passed away at the age of 99. Um, this is pretty sad, man. I, a lot of people were holding out hope that she could get to the, the hundred club, but well, she's had quite the legacy throughout the years and uh, it kind of came you know, abruptly, but I don't think quite shockingly to everybody. Um, sure. She wasn't dealing with any like public health issues that anyone no. was aware of. I think it was just natural causes. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, okay. So started out first by saying like, obviously hugely influ- influential figure, definitely, um, you know, like you said, like, I think you've given words like that use the words like a national treasure. Like she kind of is one, she was one of the last people kind of left over from that era of Hollywood. Yep. Um, so yep. it's almost like, you know, that kind of like a small, like a big piece of that kind of that culture, like kind of faded away the golden girls, the Americana, the slice of life, like, yeah. Era of Hollywood is kind of like gone. It's from, now. She's from that like golden age of television, like oh, yeah. the late sixties and seventies where like they in television had finally started to like do stories that were set back in the fifties during like the, the peak Americana, like, um, happy days came out in the seventies and that's about Lucy's and stuff. Yeah. I love Lucy. So yeah, man, she's, um, you know, she will definitely be greatly missed. She's, she has quite the IMDB, so I'm not even going to begin. I mean, that's the thing, dive though, in, that, but like, she's probably best known for her roles on the, on the golden girls. And the yeah, Mary, for sure. Mary Tyler Moore show most likely. And I mean, like you can't really argue with that kind of life. Like that's a good, long, happy career and a life. You know what I mean? I do, oh, yeah. you know, <clears throat> so we said our piece, we said our condolences and all that stuff, like definitely, you know, can't undersell the fact of how influential a figure she was. How, now, 
was it Entertainment Weekly or it was People? It was Entertainment Weekly or People magazine that did a special on Betty White that was literally in grocery stores on the magazine rack this past week, the week before she passed away. And it was Betty White on Turning 100. And they interviewed her for this big cover story that I think it was People magazine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look that up just to be safe to make sure I'm not slandering any other magazine, but... But fuck You're you, good. People Magazine. You you fucked up because you Madden, like the Madden cursed Betty curse. White. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like the Madden curse. But yeah. I mean, she her birthday's on January seventeenth. So, so close. Weeks away. Literally so close. I I really do think that that's karma. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I really do think that that's like you don't you don't I don't know. I'm surprised she agreed to do that because I mean, what does she have left to? You know, I'm sure she doesn't have a really she didn't have a care in the world. Really, it's like, you know, yeah, I'll do a cover spread for you. And I'm glad that she got to do it. I'm glad she got to be interviewed one last you know, one last time, but yeah, yeah, they definitely jinxed that shit. I mean, her last acting role was in 2019. Um, she does a lot of commercial work, a lot of commercials, TV oh, yeah. shorts and voice work in the, oh, yeah. in the last part of this decade, but still pretty crazy. Pretty um, crazy. She plays herself in toy story four, uh, which I recently what? watched. That was probably one of her last roles. Yeah. They had like a bunch of like, OG TV comedians play like these strange versions of toys, like in Bonnie's closet, and one of them was Betty White. Interesting. But she was a shark named Bitey White. So, okay, yeah, that's that's the most recent <laughs> Betty White thing that I had seen. But yeah, RIP to a legend, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, you know, I think I think it should just go without saying that like just like such a household name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a whole lot of people like that these days. So no, 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 no. And especially not someone that is, uh, this might be the wrong term, completely blemishless for most people. Like not a lot of bad things to say about Betty White. No, so. she's genuinely likable. Very considered uh, a badass, you know, yeah, very, most people. very widely yeah. considered likable, very widely considered, you know, funny and edgy, but not in like a, like a mean way or like a, like a controversial way. Like she's not a very, that's a good word. She's very non-controversial. <laughs> yeah. She's just very much, she's like, you know, my grandmother likes her. Like I used to, my first exposure to her was, you know, going over like, staying at grandma and papa's house when i was a little kid and there would be reruns of the golden girls on late at night and that's all she would watch because yeah. you know papa the italian the italian guy in the family always goes to bed first he's like first to crash and then grandma stays up and she's watching golden girls until two in the morning I'm like grandma what are you doing watching golden yeah, girls she's until like two drink, in the morning she's like drinking coffee after the <laughs> yeah. big italian feast yeah yeah she's two. she's drinking coffee and she'll heat up like a she'll heat up a capicola fucking platter with mozzarella <laughs> At like one yeah. in the morning, she'd be like, she's like, set quarter bed. I'm trying to watch the quarter girls. I think we need to add Italian corner back to Radiovania, where you just regale us with the tale of grown up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, anyway, thank you, Betty White, for, for your great legacy. RIP to the, the queen. Thank you for your service. What? <laughs> Nothing. I thought you were going to say thank you for your service. <laughs> no. Uh, well, that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, since the last time we got to do an episode, Zach, uh, Hawkeye had wrapped up, but Disney plus, they ain't taking their right. foot off the gas. They're going to pop out another IP Disney plus show, the book of Boba Fett for star Wars. 
yeah. started. Uh, it's coming out on Wednesdays. So first episode came out last Wednesday. Second episode came out today as we are recording on January 5th. That's right. Um, so episodes one and two out. And uh, I'm did we get to ahead. talk about Hawkeye completely, like as a whole? Like did so we, we talked re- about the finale in our Spider-Man we... pod. Oh, did we? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't Which I think was our last episode, if I remember. Yeah, Spidey, Spidey No Way Home was our last episode. Yeah, but I'll kind of lead off the Boba Fett discussion here. Sure. And we can kind of open it up. But So episode one came out last week, clocked in at around 30 minutes before credits. Um, I think you and I both discussed afterwards. We weren't super thrilled by it. It has its cool visual moments and things that make it, you know, a fun Star Wars IP, but there's also some parts of it that felt kind of like prequely to me, but not in like the endearing way. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And I think episode one was a little slow to start. Um, we'll kind of do non-spoilers for now. Um, but episode two came out today. Did you have the chance to watch it? Yes. I just okay. finished it right before we recorded. Yeah. So episode two clocks in at like a shy under an hour. Yes. Yeah so much more content and actually like gives it some room to breathe with some of its plot devices. But to me, it seems like episode one and two should just be watched as one, like 90 minute first episode. Um, in my opinion, and that's what my parents are doing. They didn't watch it last week. So they'll just get to watch both of them today. Interesting. Um, we're still not entirely sure where it's going. They're spending a lot of time with exposition and setting the stage. Um, some of the acting and the creature work is really cool, but there are also moments that just seem kind of like, to me at least, it seems like they kind of forgot like which Boba Fett they had in the Mandalorian versus the one that they're trying to now make the protagonist of the show and make us like empathize with, as opposed to him being a badass. which is the worry that I had going into the show is that Boba Fett's not a main character and it's going to be hard to have him lead a show because all we know of Boba Fett for the most part is like, he's a cool guy with armor that doesn't talk and captured sure. Han Solo with Darth Vader's pretty much Darth Vader did it. And then he gave it to Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean like original trilogy character carries a lot of weight in the star Wars fandom. So after the, after the episode of Mandalorian season two, where he came out guns blazing and wiped out like all those stormtroopers. I think people were really hot on this. This is um, first two episodes are written by John Favreau. They're directed by two different people, but this is still like in the John Favreau Mando verse, if you even want to call it that. It's it's set around the same time as Mandalorian season one and season two, with the exception of the flashbacks, which I don't think is too much of a spoiler. But anyway, that's kind of my non-spoiler thoughts. Waiting to see more. Liked episode two more than episode one, but I'm not loving it. Over to you with the weather. Over to me with the weather. Uh, yeah, I, uh, so I, I, as I do with a lot of things Star Wars, I lovingly was ribbing you the few weeks leading up to the premiere of the pilot because I just couldn't find myself getting excited about it at all. Like, uh, I don't know, like it, it, Boba Fett's never been my favorite character. Um, I understand that he's cool. Um, you know, I always, I had his toys cool. going he looked cool. He looks cool. He yeah. looks cool. I had his toys growing up. Um, I always thought that he was, I mean, I, as a little kid, I really liked Django Fett in the prequels, obviously like the Camino bits on attack of the clones are the only 
the only redeeming parts of that entire movie. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's pictures out there of a uh, eight-year-old JP in a Django Fett costume on Halloween. So, no, I'm pretty sure I had that costume too, just like a shitty slip-on I, Target costume. Yeah, I loved oh, it. Yeah. And at career day, like second grade, they're like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "A bounty hunter." <laughs> and my teacher had to tell me what that meant. <laughs> Look, JP, it means to... you kill people for money. <laughs> you're like, yeah. I just thought that meant I got to have the Mando armor, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I wasn't excited about the show going in. The first episode, I watched it, um, sat down with Carly, and we watched it. And uh, I was like, "Do you want to watch this with me?" It's a Star Wars show, and she's like, "What's it about?" And I was like, "Well, it's about Boba Fett." She's like, "Who's Boba Fett?" And I was like, <laughs> "And I was like, well." I was like, do you remember the guy from Mandalorian that like helped save them with like baby Yoda? And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, he's also in like Empire. She's like, oh yeah, I remember. And it's like, it takes a little bit to jog the memory, but it's like, well, do you want to watch a whole show about him? She's like, all right, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and yeah. uh, at the end of the first episode, I she was like, I didn't like that very much. Or she's like, I wasn't very into it. And yeah. um, when we started to watch the second episode tonight, we had ordered pizza and so the pizza got there and we were setting it all up and I pressed play on the episode and she was like, do we have to watch this? And I was like, I was like, I was like, I really don't watch it to talk about it with, with JP on the podcast. And she's like, okay, I'll watch something else. And so she propped up her phone on the pizza box and was watching Brooklyn nine, nine while I was watching Boba Fett. So if that goes to show you any of the wow. casual fan involvement, because you know, she's a casual star Wars fan. She really got into it with episode seven, eight, nine. Like I showed her the original trilogy. She's still never seen all three of the, of the prequels, but, um, I got a feeling like this might not be a slam dunk for Disney plus and for star Wars. I feel like this might really appeal to a very specific niche of the star Wars community. Um, people yeah. that are Boba Fett super fans might find this to be like the holy gospel i mean it's called the book of boba fett it's clearly taking inspiration from and i don't know if you'll agree with me here i think it's taking inspiration from game of thrones and dances with wolves if you can combine those two things kind of together where i really don't what i really don't like about it and you know okay can we do like a little bit of spoilers do you care can we say like you know skip Oh, ahead 10 minutes if you don't care about spoilers. Yeah, 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 yeah. From here on out, we're going to talk about spoilers for the okay. first two episodes. But disclaimer, if we spoil the first two episodes, it's definitely not going to spoil the show. They Here's the thing. Really yeah, there's up. not really yeah. not much you can spoil. Like, yeah, I, yeah there's not much going it's on. It's all there's flash much, and no substance yeah. so far. So. so far. And so here's what I really don't like about the show is that it, it, uh, start with positives. Don't want to come off super negative is that. Yeah, set design, world design, like it feels really cool. It feels like Star Wars. Like I love it's all the, on Tatooine. Yeah, so it's all on Tatooine, and I like the cantina shots. I like these creatures and character designs. Loved in episode two seeing the the huts again for the first time. Like that was just kind of that was a cool little moment. I was that like, was all right, really cool. cool. Like the like, first time we seen... like the they came in like Prince Ali, the Prince. <laughs> <laughs> he feasts a galloping horse. Oh, you bad guys with swords. Yeah, um, the twin, the twin hut, the twin, um, the twin huts. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, I think um, Tamora Morrison is uh, you know not not bad. He's definitely better in this than he was in Aquaman. Um, no, I don't. I listen. I don't think he's a bad actor. No, he's not. But I, I, he does a lot more like physical acting, and some of the lines that they give him are just kind of ridiculous. not good. Yeah, the so script far. is not good. Yeah. The script is really which bad. is kind of surprising because it feels like. I don't know. I love you, buddy, but I, it feels like Johnny Fabs. It feels like you're kind of mailing this one in a little bit. Like it seems like you wrote this one 
Well, you had a couple couple of Mai Tais under the Twin Suns, you know? Well, what this sounded like is that, okay, hold on. I'm getting, uh, I want to circle back around to something here in a sec. Mm-hmm. So a lot of positives, lots of things I like about it. The score is really cool. I like the score. Um, yeah. What I don't like, I don't like what they're doing with the framing device of the show because they're cutting. I think that this might be the rest of the show. Spoilers. I think that the rest of this show might be cutting between what Boba Fett's doing post Mandalorian and what Boba Fett was doing after Return of the Jedi. And I don't think that they're going to meet at any point. I really just think it's going to be, we're seeing what Boba Fett's doing now against the backdrop of what he'd learned after dying and coming back from the dead. So it's going to be, I do think it's going to be a lot of him learning to coexist with the Tuscans. That's the dances with wolves part. It's like the, him learning, learning to be in nature, learning to be, one with other people and learning how to be more than just a bounty hunter, learning to be his true self. It's and also then it, very, very heavily influenced by Dune, but not the part of the Dune movies that you have seen yet mm-hmm. with Fremen. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and then the modern part is, it seems like a game of political chess where it's like, yeah, he's, he's got the throne. He's going to try and keep the throne. There's obviously going to be people that are going to try and get in his way. What I don't like is I don't like that they're cutting them together. I would have preferred they just, And maybe it'll make all sense when all the episodes are out and done, but I think it might've been more impactful to just start episode one from the jump of he gets out of the Sarlacc pit. We watch him grow over the course of a few episodes and then we're like, okay, what's Boba Fett doing now? I think this weird cutting back and forth thing is just not working for me at all. Well, yeah. And the framing device of like every time he's in the back to, he has like a A dream election. Yeah. Not great. Um, I would agree with you. I think, and it's not that I don't like the flashback stuff. Like, I think you and I both agree that, like, him getting out of the Sarlacc was a really cool sequence. Yeah, it was a cool moment. The train heist stuff in this episode was fun action, definitely compared to the first episode, which had, like, no action. I loved the sequence of finding out how the Tuscans make their gaffy sticks. I thought that that was really cool where this like, lizard crawls in your brain and gets you high and makes you wander through the desert. That the shit's terrifying. When that, yeah. it like jumps into his nose and I was like, oh my God, I had to turn my head away for a second because I was like, it's like the Matrix. It's like one of my biggest like irrational movie fears is <laughs> having a living organism moving around inside of me. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. No, yeah. thank you. Um, but yeah, you know, I think I would definitely co-sign exactly what you're saying. Um, I do think though that they're done with flashbacks because episode two ends with him getting all of his Tuscan stuff and like being part of the tribe. And that's exactly where we met him in Mando episode one of last season is like, he's wearing that exact outfit. He's hanging out on Tatooine, you know, he sees, he sees the Mandalorian driving off with his armor. However, that's more of an optimist in me because I kind of want them to move on. But if they have a story to tell, so be it. Like you said, maybe it'll make sense when it's all out. But right now, the cutting back and forth is kind of crazy because this episode is like the first 15 minutes are like present day and the next 35 is like Tuscan Raider stuff. Which and that's is like, and that's the a, pacing's just really off. Yeah, I agree. Both of the timelines. I agree 100%. And that's the thing that is that like, yeah, they're devoting so little time to what's happening right now in the timeline, like like concurrently in the timeline that I don't really care. And I don't really know what they're doing. Like what, what, 
like is that is that all is is the show is all <laughs> sorry covid is that all that the show is is we're trying to keep the throne trying to not the let other people take the yeah. throne that's it like i feel like there's got to be something a little bit bigger and and i think that you know i think it i think in a couple episodes it's gonna have to lead them off world you know i would love to see it take them to now where the huts are from um i mean this could it might wind up just being like a tatooine show for like seven episodes but like I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to hold all of my thoughts until it's over because we are only two episodes in. And like I said, it feels like these first two is like part of the same pilot. Yeah. And Um, uh, so we'll kind of, we'll have to come back at you after the next one for sure. Yeah. And what all, you know, my last thought that I'll say is that like something that I was thinking about after the, after this episode finished where I was like, man, remember in 2015, 2016, somewhere around there, when, like when did Star Wars, when did they buy the license to Star Wars? Was it 2014? Yeah, it was like 2014 or something. Twenty, It was 2014 or something like that when they announced that Disney had acquired the rights to Star Wars. And a couple of years later, there was rumors that there was going to be a Boba Fett movie. And that eventually, it was going to be a Boba Fett movie directed by James Mangold. Correct. And then well, that I think eventually... at first it was Josh Trank. And then he got fired from oh, yeah. it, actually, after Fan 4 stick. Yeah. Well, whatever happened, there was a rumored Boba Fett movie in the works that ended up dissolving. And most people claim... Same with the Obi-Wan movie, yeah. And most people claim that, that that Boba Fett movie that was going to be made was kind of dissolved into a couple different projects in terms of storylines and plots. And The Mandalorian is what rose from those ashes, was that John Favreau kind of saw had this vision for a Mandalorian show that was a, not a Boba Fett character, that was a different thing about Mandalorians. And yeah. what I want to know is that I want to know if this Boba Fett show has any any sort of connection to that original concept for what a boba fett movie was going to be because that was still post them getting the license certainly they have a couple screenplays of that or at least a couple rough drafts of that boba fett movie lying around i want to know how much of this was supposed to be like movie form because honestly so far i don't i think i might have preferred this as a movie (laughs) like i think i think the film probably would have been like him getting out of the sarlacc and like learning with the tuscans and it's like a, a low budget western, especially and then when, what? when Mangold yeah. was in charge of the project for sure. And then what? That, and that's what I want to know is that that's my unanswered question is that if that was the plot, which I think it might have been, which yeah, is. I think it's just, it leads to him getting the armor back, which is where we meet him in Mando too. And I think that that's where the original script deviated because for him yeah. to get the armor back, that doesn't work with the story of the Mandalorian. Correct. So I think that that original movie went somewhere different. And I want. Yeah. I'm curious to know if the show is going to take that. Well, so the original plan of the Boba Fett movie, um, there was also talks when, um, I think the Josh Trank one was actually like an anthology film set before the original trilogy, and it was a Boba Fett movie that was going to lead into the Cantina at the same time that the Han Solo movie originally was supposed to lead into the cantina in a new hope. And then they just like, they can that idea really quickly. That sucks. Cause they know that that triggers people, but a little factual thing here on October 30th, 2012, Disney announced that they acquired Lucasfilm for $4 billion. 2012, 2012. And they, in the, in the headline, it says star Wars episode seven will be a feature film with a target release date for 2015. 
Wow. So, so 10 years ago. <laughs> they've had it for 10 years. Yep. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. Um, but Happy yeah, 10 so year anniversary, our, Disney. Yeah. So that's our thoughts on uh, yeah. episode one and two. We'll come back to you as the season progresses, but it's, uh, it's got some ground to cover, but you know, that's, that's kind of Boba Fett's thing. You know, he's got to keep crawling out of Sarlacc pits that he accidentally falls in anyway. So that's including kind of Star Wars. this, uh, this Sarlacc pit of fandom, but yeah, that's kind of Star um, Wars. It keeps having to crawl out of pits. <laughs> yeah. It's like poetry, you know, it rhymes. <laughs> it rhymes. Um, our next news topic here is staying on the topic of our favorite thing last year, which was Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, it's now the 10th highest at the United States box office. Uh, so this is from Deadline, the headline. Um, it's coming in at the U.S. box office with $610 million, which is just astronomical for 2021. Um, uh, Sorry, vamping here a little bit. You have some quotes in here that we uh, can talk about in a second. But Spider-Man, um, for a little bit, was having to edge out No Time to Die, I believe, which was the next one that had a big domestic and, and worldwide gross. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to find the figure that I had for a second. but An interesting one to bring up is um, I'm on the, the box office website page right now. A domestic box office, as of right now, $627 million. International, $758 million for worldwide take of $1.3 billion so far. Yep. Um, so this movie is just going to keep on climbing. I mean, here, the thing is, is that like, I don't, I think it piddles out somewhere around 1.8 billion, something, something like that. I, yeah, I most do, people have seen it by now. now I don't, yeah, and I, over. yeah. And I don't think that this is as big of an event as something like an end game, which I think, you know, I mean, that movie beating avatar and shit is like pretty impressive. It's pretty interesting. It says it's only eight million away from beating the Last Jedi at the box office. Which let that be remembered that uh, the Last Jedi box office juggernaut. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, um, all-time domestic box office for superhero movies. It's fourth place behind Infinity War. Crazy. Which is bonkers. Uh, seven, uh, Infinity War is only fifty million more. So there's a good chance that this movie might cross Infinity War in the domestic box office. Yeah. I mean it's got uh, just shy of 80 million to beat Black Panther. I mean, after three weeks, it has six hundred and ten million in the US. And it's runner up to that that's currently in the theaters only after two weeks is Sing Two with eighty nine million. So that should just tell you right there what the people are going to see. Oh, saying um, the classic franchise, the classic mm, franchise. Matthew McConaughey, he's a koala bear in that. Bono. Mm-hmm. Bono's in that. Um, but yeah, staying on the topic of Marvel, I mean, this movie was a juggernaut <laughs> for sure. I think we knew that if they landed it really well, that it would be a classic and and in the same vein as like those end games and, and things like that yeah. where people are going to rush off to see it and big opening nights people want to see it with their friends it's a big you know big spoilers things to talk about so kudos kudos to the folks at sony and marvel for for putting that together my family just saw it zach two days ago oh wow so you didn't and see it when you were down in uh no we didn't Bama. have time their their projector died when they got to the statue of liberty 
No and way. The manager came in and said, we're sorry, we can't fix it, but we can give you vouchers to come back and see it again tomorrow. And people were pissed because it's like, I mean, stuff that's, had ramped up by that yeah, point. Yeah, that's the moment. So my folks just snuck into the IMAX theater next door and then rewound essentially 40 minutes and just watched the second half of the movie again. Good for them. And finished it, yeah. Um, Why didn't the theater yeah, manager like, just let them go into another theater? Fuck COVID him. COVID protocol, probably. Not Stupid. enough seats. I have no idea. COVID protocol in theaters? <laughs> you must uh, be Yeah, Zach joking. got Omicron from Spider-Man. <laughs> no, too far away. Contact tracing doesn't allow it. I think I got I'm him just some joking. rando. <laughs> I'm just, just joking with you. Um, well, here's a little fun uh, news article here. Marvel movies made 30% of the total 21 box office last 30%. year. 30%. 30. That's fucking crazy. All right, so here's a quote. According to the rap, the Marvel films released in 2021 account for a stunning 30% of total domestic box office. This impressive feat is thanks to the total of five movies, <laughs> including the record-shattering Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Black Widow, and Sony's Venom. Let their be carnage. They got to throw that in there. A little, little sprinkle of cumin there at the end. Um, those movies made more than $1.35 billion in North America, about 30% of the overall $4.45 billion earned in ticket sales last year, 2021. When we consider that around 400 movies were released in theaters last year, (laughs) that figure is all the more impressive. Marvel has been dominant in the past, yes, but the gap between superheroes and everything else last year grew by a lot. To that end, Marvel films, including Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther, accounted for 18% of domestic box office in 2018. Four hundred movies. So, like, 30% is is a number. That's a big number. But, like, to many people, if you just walked up to some random Tom, Dick, and Harry in the fucking Super Mall and you were like, yo, Marvel movies made up for 30% of the box office, I feel like they might say that seems low. I feel like they would think it was more, yeah. I think that they would think it's more, but when you think about it, 30% of the total box office of 400 movies, 400 movies that people, so like 400 minus, so 399, 398, 397, 396, 395. So 394 movies that were released in theater that weren't Marvel movies that people slaved over, creatives died for put blood sweat and tears into these projects uh obviously there's a lot of crap there's the, you got your clifford the big red dogs you got you got your sings you got your sings too movies that are just also cash cows that are commercial products but i'm thinking of and we'll get to it when we talk about movies i saw a lot of movies this year in the theater um a lot of independent movies too a lot of smaller budget movies and some of these movies are going in with like $20 million budgets and happy when they break even like, right. And then you have movies like Spider-Man no way home where one weekend it's, you know, it's crossed its money two times over. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's crazy to think I am not one of those like old man yells at clouds, like Martin, Martin, Martin Scorsese's kind of where, you know, I'm, you know, capitalism, you know, whatever, like the market dictates, the market demands what it wants. Like right now people want these movies and these movies are only going to continue to be successful if people demand it. Like as soon as there's a breaking point and people don't want to support these movies anymore, then the market will correct itself and something else will become the big thing. And personally, I like these movies. I find them entertaining. And so I don't really have a problem with this, but 
it just is crazy to think about 30% of your experience in the movies is dictated by Disney and Marvel. And like, this is just Marvel. Like I would love to see the statistic of what Disney makes up with in the box office. You got your, it's gotta be in easily in like the sixties. I bet it's over 50%. I bet it's not, I bet it's over 50%. I bet it's like somewhere between 50 and 54% of box office is Disney. Yeah. I mean, for me, for my box office, uh, I saw six movies in the theater last year, and uh, four of these are on that list, and that makes up 65% of my total revenue <laughs> for box office last year. But, yeah, I totally agree with you, man. I think I, I do wonder if, like, what somebody like Denis Villeneuve thinks about these, you know? Like, how many of these filmmakers are going to be like the, well, if you can't beat them, join them mentality? or or what have you, but, um, yeah, this is an impressive feat. I mean, given it is in the middle of a pandemic, but like, of course that should show you what people are actually willing to go risk essentially their lives to go see. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is that like, you know, obviously we don't want to get super political or talk about whatever we're fun, happy. We're a good, we're a fun, easy breezy podcast. No, no. Uh, the hottest take you're going to have here is me disagreeing with John about star Wars. Um, but you know, with Omicron and stuff like that, and especially like a younger crowd, like that's a little less health susceptible to COVID right now. Like, yeah, like I think going to the theater is is you know you're you're risking you know getting sick, especially if you're a younger person. But like, you know, it's not. We're at a point in the pandemic where a lot of people are kind of treating that like people you know be be safe, be you know be responsible out there. But people are treating it kind of like the common cold right now, like you know. Yeah. And so, you know, I would be curious to see uh, what I'm saying about this is like, I'd be really curious to see what the box office breakdown. I don't know how you'd even get these kind of numbers, but I'd be curious to see what the breakdown is right now between people in our demographic, like thirties and under, maybe even like pushing up to that, like 35 to 40 demographic and under, and what their experience has been with the theaters in 2021 versus like 45, 40 to 45 and over and see if like, your average 55 or 60 year old has seen Spider-Man. Cause I guarantee they probably haven't. <laughs> I mean, I think my folks only saw Spider-Man. That's the only in theater movie that they went to see everything else. They waited until it came out on Disney plus. Yeah. And even so. that, like, that's what took it. Like that's what took yep. them over the edge. They had to see it. It's like, yeah, it, you make a great point. And I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of these people that argue about the sanctity of movies and, you know, Marvel movies, not being real film or real cinema. Is it like, well, it's bringing people to the theater. Isn't that what we want? Like, yeah, yeah. You, to, you kind of have to redefine what your parameters are for cinema versus film at that point. So, yeah. If you're talking about the tangible place to go to watch movies, then I think like you have to show a superhero movie every month. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about the art form, there are tons of ways to get that out in the world. And I'm sure some of your favorite movies from last year, you watched from the comfort of your home and you gave them your money. So for sure. Yeah. Let's talk about a shitty Marvel thing. <laughs> Let's talk about something that's not going to bring people to the um, theater. I hope. So, oh my God. I hope. What if this movie makes a billion dollars? This movie's not going to make a billion. Come on. <laughs> Cause it's not getting my money. So no, I'm um, not seeing the shit. Morbius from Sony Pictures uh, featuring Jared Leto as the villain 
slash anti-hero vampire from Spider-Man it's comics. Local, local happy Michael Morbius. <laughs> Dr. Michael Morbius. Um, At your service. It is delayed again. This movie <laughs> has seen seven release dates so far. Would you like me to read them to you, Zach? Yeah, hit me. July 10th, 2020. We all remember that summer very well. July 31st, 2020. That's just being a little <laughs> naive, don't you think? Here's the thing is that, like, yeah, before you keep going down the list, is that, like, we were, we, like, this is definitely, like, uh, a good window into that era, that time period of the pandemic where it's, like, the uncertainty was so strong that people were like, ah, push it a month, we'll be fine. Like, how innocent, not innocent we were, but, like, you know, a lot of people didn't yeah. really, really understand what was happening. Like, I don't think people really understood the gravity of the situation. And I think that... Because remember, in that summer, there were people that did the Fast and the Furious thing, where Paramount was like, or Universal was like, Fast and the Furious 9 is coming out in 2021. We're just going to push it back a full year. You know? And then Warner Brothers did that with some of the stuff besides Tenet. And then they're like, it's going to be released on HBO Max. But Sony was like, well... Let's see if we can own the summer. <laughs> it's like, um, anyway, after that, they waited a while, March 19th, 2021. Then they're like, you know what? That's too soon. There's no vaccine yet. Let's go to October 8th, 2021. Then they realized they would have been competing with other Marvel movies that came out in October. Um, so that they went to January 21st, 2022, which would be in a couple weeks from now. Then they said, you know what? Push it back a week. <laughs> What the hell? Why not? To January 28th, 2022. And now it has been pushed back to April 1st, 2022. April Fool's Day. <laughs> Thank you, slide actually, whistle. It will, <laughs> it will actually not be released. And we'll find out that this movie has just been a hoax the whole time. Um, yeah. Here's a nice little Radiovania award. Morbius has now been delayed more times <laughs> than Fox's The New Mutants. So congratulations, uh, Morbius. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna give a speech, do it on your own time. Um, but yeah, Zach, you uh, you excited for Morbius? No. Oh, okay. Well, then let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's there's much that needs to be said. I just think that this 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 movie's a comedy of errors at this point. Like, yeah, there's no way. I never thought I would see a comic book movie teed up to come out in theaters that I was not excited for more than Venom Let There Be Carnage, but they did it. <laughs> it's the same studio. So kudos to them. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is that like, maybe you disagree with me here. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Is that, you know, Venom looked like hot crap, hot crap, looked terrible. And we were yeah. like, there's no way this movie's going to make any money. Let's go to the theater and laugh at it. And then, Bing, bang, boom, that movie makes like $800 million. $800 million and is a huge success, gets a sequel, probably is going to get another sequel, and then spawns Morbius. Um, the difference here is that I don't think that Morbius has any popular culture cachet. Like, Venom has pop culture cachet. I don't think Morbius does. Like, I bet this movie, what's the box? Let me look up the box office on this. I don't. I have no idea what the budget is, but if it's a if it's been delayed this much, it has to be pretty high at this point. I mean, the movie was finished in 2019. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. To think that? That's crazy. 
Jared Leto's been holding back them spoilers for almost three years. Uh, no financial information released for this movie so far. I, so I bet that this is like a $150 million movie. That sounds fair. Um, I saw that trailer. It looks like $150 million. Yeah. I have a hard time imagining this movie's going to make any money. Like, but I, I no. could be wrong. I bet I'm wrong. I bet this is movie is going to make money. I bet there's, for some reason, there's a bunch of teenage girls that really want to go see Vampire Jared Leto fuck them up. So here's the thing is April 1st is a full month after the Batman's been in theaters. But I feel like there's something else coming out in April. Like bats are big <laughs> in this time of the year. <laughs> yeah, seriously. April. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Springtime is for the bats. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look up what else is coming out in April 2022. Real quick. Vamp well, for me. Well, I die. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, okay. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Give it to me. Um, Fantastic Beasts. That's the other thing that I just saw. Oh, it really? Out. It comes out April 15th, 2022. Oh, wow. That's sooner than I thought. I thought that was like so a summer. So does movie. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yeah. Boy, which is the week after Michael Morbius. And uh, yeah, we'll see. April, stacked month. <laughs> yeah, lots of big hitters. <laughs> I, I think Fantastic Beast has the potential to be pretty fun. but I smell a sea. <laughs> <laughs> I smell some delicious Jude Law Dumbledore. And uh, uh, that'll make me happy, for sure. Speaking of which, like, like uh, that segue? Yeah, I like, uh, side note, I like the... Uh, food-based descriptors for acting performances. I always find those really funny. Like, on yeah. Jude Law, he gave a scrumptious performance in Fantastic <laughs> Beasts too. Delicious. <laughs> Just mouth Chewing the scenery like a teething yeah. dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, Akio Segway. So the Harry Potter 20th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Joko um, Rapero. <laughs> <laughs> so on uh, on New Year's Day of this year, 2022, uh, HBO Max released the 20th anniversary of the Harry Potter film franchise with a hour and a half to hour and 45 Hour and 41 minutes. Hour and yeah. 41 minutes. Documentary that covers all eight of the films from the search for the cast when they were young children before the Sorcerer's <laughs> Stone or as they all call it, Philosopher's Stone, because I guess they have to be proper about it. But apparently America doesn't like philosophers. So, Well, isn't um, it that the, like philosopher, philosopher means something different in Europe than it does in the U.S.? I guess, but like, I don't know. The Sorcerer's Stone title did not help the like anti-witchcraft people for sure. You know, that just emboldened their cause. But anyway. <laughs> Zach's looking up the definition of philosophy. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out something. <laughs> <laughs> because the publishers thought that American readers wouldn't pick up a book called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So it literally was just a publisher's thing. Hmm. So they think that us Americans don't want to read something with philosopher in the title? That seems sensitive. 
Can you put McDonald's in the title somewhere? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Harry Potter and Roll Tide. Can you put that in there? <laughs> How about that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um. Anyway, did you did you like the reunion? I thought it was okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was I liked okay. it. Yeah, I it was the cute. Nostalgia, I thought the nostalgia was cute. Is way better produced than the Friends twentieth anniversary or twenty fifth. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Well, I didn't. You watched. You watched that. I did. I actually like Friends, the show, a decent amount. Um. And I did not really like that reunion. Were Ross and Rachel on a break, John? Were they on a break? Uh, yeah, they were on a break. They were on a break? Speaking, speaking from experience. There's my slide. Yeah, I told you about this in the car, like when I was driving around uh, the other day, because I don't have anywhere to go because of COVID. So I'm just driving in my car, <laughs> going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little um, baby driver out there. Little baby driver, yeah. Oh, good movie. Um, that I have two big problems with it is that a I didn't think that they utilized the the cast members enough. But again, like you said, this might be a COVID thing where they couldn't get all the people together in one room. But they did. They did. They had that opening shot of all of them hugging in the great hall, and I was like, I, what you want to see from a reunion is all these people coming together, and people that you never really saw interact interact in ways that you you know you weren't used to that's the whole point of a reunion is that you get to see these characters these actors that portray these characters off screen and a little bit more human and uh you know you let them reminisce let them tell about stories and i thought that it was a little too overproduced in that way like it was just very like i felt like every scene was except for one there's one standout scene which we'll talk about which is between Daniel Radcliffe and Helena Bonham Carter. But yes. for, there's one scene where literally where Malfoy, uh, whatever his name is, what's that actor's name? Christ. Tom Felton. Tom Felton. Felton walks into a room with the actors that played Neville Longbottom and Colin Creevy, right? Or whatever. Yeah, oh, they're in like, uh, they're in like Gringotts. Or they're something. in Gringotts. And yeah. <laughs> Tom walks up to him. He's like, we've got a couple Gryffindors sitting around here. And then they start talking about like the, like being in Hogwarts and I right. can just feel like maybe this is just me studying, you know, I studied broadcasting and stuff like that in film in college. But like for me, I sensed the camera op or the like the interview director going like, all right, Tom, walk up to them and say something funny and then start talking about Hogwarts. And it felt very like some of the stuff felt very like canned and very like pr very processed and very clean and oriented. I would have rather seen, I would have rather just seen an hour and a half long uncut unedited here's all these people in a room let them talk with each other for an hour and a half about what it was like to be in harry potter yeah yeah i don't know i, th I thought that it was um it was cool to like see them on the sets that warner brothers still has set up apparently um because i guess you can tour them in, in yeah, london what the fuck are they assume. doing with these sets <laughs> i think you can tour them in london so that's cool they just they just cleared people out and let that's them film there but I thought that the coolest thing for me was them bringing all of the directors that directed a Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two of them directed multiple films and then they have the two guys in the middle, Alfonso Cuaron and uh, the guy who directed the Goblet of Fire that tackled no the music twin. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah pretty interesting. Cause they have it divided up into segments and I, during the chamber of secrets segment, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, Ask Man's next. That's my favorite movie. I was like, I, I bet, I bet you they asked 
Alfonso Cuaron to show up and he was like, fuck no, I don't want to show up for this. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, there he is. I was like, all right, yeah. cool. That was cool to yeah. see him. They got everybody. Um, everybody could they could the, get. There were some people. Well, like they could. Sorry, I meant the directors. But yeah, oh, they yeah. definitely, they did not get all the cast members. It's possible it was for a COVID thing. Um, or maybe they just weren't invited. I don't know. You notice that they didn't have anything with Michael Gambon, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Again, that dude's pretty old. Like, I feel like that might be the COVID concern. Sure. Yeah, but like, couldn't zoom with him for a couldn't little bit, zoom. you know, do a little Tiger King reunion thing. He's <laughs> just like, he's <laughs> just wearing his Hogwarts robe. Um, but yeah, the can we talk about? Let's talk about the Daniel Radcliffe, Helen Bonham Carter thing, because uh, I mean that was the most genuine. Like, that's what I wanted from this. That was the most reunion. Like, raw footage, like, like people goofing around they actually seem like they like hadn't seen each other in a long time like yeah i don't know that felt very genuine and that and that again like that was something that i didn't know i had no idea that daniel radcliffe and helena bonham carter had such a you know a chemistry on set like they obviously like gravitated toward each other like personality wise and that's what i I wanted to see more of I had always heard that she was like super (laughs) nice with all the kids because her character is just so vile that like She's always just kind of been the quirky, fun aunt that like buys you beer, you know. Um, but dude, yeah, that that thing had me rolling with like just glee. With she's reading a letter that she took a yeah. picture of that Daniel wrote her when he was sixteen, where he's like shooting a shot, and he's like, <laughs> "It's an honor to learn from you as an actor, and also I wish I was ten years older so I could have a chance." <laughs> so awesome. Which I just thought was really funny. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. And then she puts in those old ass Bellatrix teeth that are in like a yellow bag. It's like a Ziploc like, bag. <laughs> yeah, but like it's that really has to gross. Clean, so it's like turning yellow. Yeah. I also loved the part where um they're talking about the Ron and Hermione kiss and how and Emma Watson's like, that was the worst part for me. And he's like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone screen grabbed it, like you can see the moment when his heart breaks. He's like, Yeah, it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And then like he freezes on that face for a little bit or whatever. Yeah, but it's just so funny. Yeah, funny. Um, the balls on them, though. I figured they might do something like this, but I didn't think that they would actually do it. I I assumed they were gonna close with like a like an archival Alan Rickman interview, but instead they just close with the Snape Dumbledore scene where he's like, after all this time, and he's like, cold worse. and I was like, you motherfuckers! Like, come on going full yeah, nostalgia cheap. hit right there i mean it's a cheap hit it was that's it's a full luke skywalker voice that's a cheap move yeah yeah but in all fairness yeah i kind of i totally agree like i think it would have been way more impactful to have like some deleted scene because that and that's the thing though is that like maybe this is just why i don't i don't particularly care for reunions or have much of an interest is that i have way more interest in going back to my blu-ray copies of the the harry potter you know saga and just going to all the behind the scenes featurettes and just watching those. I feel like that's more entertaining. Like the, the appendices and the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, like the appendices for the Hobbit are better than the movies. <laughs> like, like I love the behind the scenes stuff, the set designs, the, the crafting, the, the costumes, the, you know, behind the scenes, the characters like fooling around with each yeah. other. Like that stuff's more engaging sometimes than no, the actual movies. No member of the crew was interviewed for this besides the directors, which I think is, I guess the producer of all of them, but 
seems like a missed opportunity to talk about the creature and set design. Sure. Yeah, um, costume design, location shooting, like who's doing passes on the scripts. Like I would have yeah. loved to have heard there. Like I mean, I get that it. Th- that's the thing is that the reu- it's a reunion, so it's about what do what do people that want to watch a reunion care about? It's like. Well, we want to watch Ron and Hermione have a fireside chat. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I can really give a fuck, to be qu- quite honest with you. The saddest thing for me was um, Robbie Coltrane, who plays Hagrid. Like, he was dropping some emotion bombs on me that I was not ready yeah, that- for. Where, he, where he's like, Harry Potter is going to be relevant for the next 30 years, and I might not be around for it. But I was like, Jesus. It's like, come on, man. Don't do this to me, Hagrid. <laughs> I mean, that dude seems like the like the nicest motherfucker that ever walked. Oh the my earth god, down. isn't he though? He's the best. He's the best. He was the first person, like one of the first people cast, if I remember correctly, that J.K. Rowling like picked him out herself. Where she's like, "That's who I imagine playing Hagrid." It's just awesome, man. I love Hagrid so much. What a great character. Yeah, Hagrid's a G. Yeah, but yeah, so that's kind of all of our news from our news flash point mini mini version which wound up being almost a full hour like we should have known better uh zach is still dying so i'm gonna transition uh, here to the uh i can tell that to, was a really bad cough that was coming up so i had to mute myself welcome to the uh 2021 swanee awards which is the uh, hosted by me john swansong parker here we're gonna break up into some categories give some nominees talk about our five favorite things our top five for each specific category from pop culture media in 2021 zach which i gotta be honest was hard for me to go back and remember everything that i did in 2021 yeah <laughs> so I, had I had to, to definitely look through some i had to look notes. up lists of things that came out and um and kind of like jog my memory of like what actually came out in 2021 yeah um for example Remember Zack Snyder's Justice League came out in 2021? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I got to add that on my... (laughs) Seems like a lifetime ago. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. That does feel like a lifetime ago. Damn. Right. Um, But so Zach and I are going to talk about not necessarily things... Most of these things will probably be from 2021 with their release dates or days they hit the shelves um but some of the things might be just things that were new to us in the year 2021 that we discovered that we really enjoyed um and so it's it's more of our curated lists of things that we did essentially and and things that we really enjoyed so again with the pre-vaccine first half of the year um there is still a lot of hanging out inside and, and i watched probably the most tv that i've watched in my entire life in the last year in terms of just like finishing shows and streaming miniseries and stuff like that so it's it's actually pretty hard to narrow down five for each topic so i'm sure there'll be some honorable mentions but zach i figured what we could do is we could to preserve your voice a little bit we go to each category and we start with our five and work our way down unless you don't have them in order i've got them i've got mine and i've got mine in order and cool. so, and I definitely think that that's a good, a and good then idea. We can toss back, back and, and forth, forth. five, yeah, five, yeah. four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. Yeah. We'll alternate yep. back and forth. And if they, if they cross over on our lists, <laughs> we'll just talk about it as a whole and, and write it off later when we get there. That sounds good. Uh, uh, yeah. I also want to say I wrote down some honorable mentions. Yeah, for sure. Um, should we do those or, or four things for, I wrote honorable mentions for each yeah. category. 
So did I. So we'll do we'll do the honorable mentions first when we get to each category. Okay, cool. Where would you like to start? I'll let you pick first. The board is yours. Um, Let's. Oh. I feel like we do a big hitter to start. We do it like the Oscars. Like you do like a best best director or something like that to start the night out. And then you do some of the other categories and then you end with the big one. So I say we start out with best television and we end with best movies. I like it. Sound good? And then we'll do the other ones kind of sprinkled out in there. Because also, spoiler, did you do music? So I don't have, I can't do a list because I don't listen to like, I haven't listened to like a new album this year, but I do want to talk about the Spotify like curated thing. Oh, yeah. 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 I couldn't come up with any music that I like this year. So it's the only one I don't. I actually like 2021 was me going back in time for music and like discovering, continuing to discover things. So, but yeah. So you want to start with television? (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Uh, I'll start off with some of my honorable mentions that did not crack my top five. Um, A new season of Rick and Morty and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia came out this past year both of which are two of some of my favorite ongoing shows currently. Uh, The seasons were really enjoyable for me to watch, and they gave me some nice levity week to week when they were on the air. However, you know, they weren't my favorite seasons of the bunch for the show as a whole, Um, so they did not quite crack my top five, and maybe it's just because they are, like, household favorites of mine that I wanted to kind of pick some more fresh things. But uh, you can watch... um, I'm pretty sure you can watch Rick and Morty on HBO Max now. I think season five has dropped to there. And then season 15 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is on Hulu. Even without the premium version, you just have to watch it with ads. But It's Always Sunny did something that I really liked, Zach, which is they only did eight episodes this year for their COVID production. And they released it over the course of four weeks. And they released two episodes a week on like Thursday nights or something. So you got to watch two episodes every week, which I thought was kind of nice because the, I mean, sitcoms like that are only like 25 minutes with commercials. So um, the premise of this season for It's Always Sunny is they went to Ireland, which is really funny because they have an Irish bar in Philadelphia. And it was cool to just see them like actually be in another country for a year, which is impressive that they pulled that off in the pandemic. But Yeah, those are my honorable mentions, as well as uh, two documentaries that I watched, which uh, one of them, the name escapes me, but I want to say it's American Murder, Family Next Door, something like that, about Chris and Shanann Watts in Colorado. It is not something happy. Definitely don't don't watch it before you go to bed. Uh, Definitely don't watch it by yourself. But it is is really well made. It uses police body cam footage uh, for a lot of it, which is really chilling and, and kind of cool, like real world stuff. Um, and the other documentary that I watched that I enjoyed, which had a lot of dramatization and reenacting in it is the college admission scandal documentary that came out on Netflix. Oh, you actually, you watched that, huh? I did. Yeah. It was pretty, just makes you hate rich people, man. That's what, that's my, that's my take right there. <laughs> that's my take. <laughs> yeah. So those are my honorable mentions. Okay. Um, so my honorable mentions, I'll start off with something that is not from this year. In fact, it's from close to a decade ago, which is Daredevil. Um, there we go. Uh, I put this on here because I knew that you'd want to talk about it at least a little bit. I'm, I'm rewatching Daredevil, um, with Matt Murdock being in the MCU now and, you know, Kingpin being in Hawkeye, it's like been, uh, you know, 
and you loving daredevil as much as you do is definitely like well i feel like i'm a little left out on this character don't know why i never really got into the show when it was first coming out because it's i mean it's it's everything zach likes it's you know cool dark gritty action it's you know good acting cool interesting story marvel like mafia a little bit yeah Um, a little bit of that underground sort of like the scummy underbelly of the city um so i'm giving it another shot giving it a fair shake and i'm almost done with season one I'm, i'm very much enjoying it although the most interesting thing to me about the show so far is that it is like kind of like a like a vibe check versus all of the Marvel stuff that I've been exposed to over the last 10 years where it's like, yeah, this era of Marvel was so interesting because it was kind of like the wild West, like Netflix had, you know, gotten the rights for these defenders characters and they were pumping these shows out, but they didn't have, you know, any direction on tone. Like Jessica Jones doesn't really feel like this. Like I never watched Luke Cage or iron fist, but like, Jessica Jones is dark in its own way, but it's also like a cerebral like crime yeah. thing. And then like none Daredevil's... of the four of them feel similar. Yeah. Which and is then... why the Defenders crossover didn't work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then flash forward to 2020 where, you know, or 2021 Disney plus was this year, right? 2021. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. And then and we'll talk about that when we get to like TV shows is that like, it feels like Disney Plus has been in our lives way longer than one year. Like, yeah, <laughs> way longer. But anyway, um, yeah, like Daredevil is just a very interesting contrast to what's going on right now in the in the Marvel television space. Um, my other two of my other honorable mentions are Hawkeye and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, both of these I really enjoyed. I've liked every single one of the Marvel shows, but these are the two that don't crack my top five shows of the year. Um, okay. Hawkeye is a really cool Christmas special. Basically it's like the Marvel, it's like the Marvel studios Christmas special. Um, yeah. I really yeah. like Haley Steinfeld a lot. I, I think that she's got a bright future in action movies and in the Marvel universe. If she's able to hold on to that role. Um, I love seeing an older grizzled Jeremy Renner. I think that their dynamic was the best part of that show. Unfortunately, I think it gets bogged down by a lot of stuff it doesn't really need with like Echo and the Kingpin stuff at the end was, you know, it was cool to see that character. But even that stuff, I was kind of like, eh, what are we doing here? I really, I really more preferred the idea of it just like Hawkeye is trapped in New York and he can't leave until he finishes his business. And he's like hanging out with this girl. And I thought that that a much more grounded, less less chaotic story. Like the coolest parts were like the, the car chase sequences and like the, the trick arrow stuff, like all that stuff was really, really cool. It was when it started involving all these different warring factions is when I was like, eh, this doesn't feel like what I wanted for a Hawkeye show. So it knocked. It's not really warring factions, but I'll save my thoughts because that's in my top five. So we'll get there when we get there. Okay. And then Falcon and the winter soldier. Great show. I agree with. For sure. Great show. Like I thought it was excellent. I loved too long to, uh, yeah. I mean, I thought it could have gone about two episodes too long. Actually. I thought, I mean, I didn't think the length was its biggest issue. I just thought that the, 
Too much resolution. Carly Morgan, though, in my opinion. <laughs> and not enough of a fleshed out villain either. Like, I liked her. Right. I just didn't understand. Like, and that was like the rumor was is that all that stuff got cut from COVID because, like, the original plan was that their weapon was going to be a biohazard. So, like, yep. that show got hit, I think, the most of any of the Disney Plus shows with COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love the Sam and Bucky connection. I loved That's everything great. with. Isaiah Zemo. Bradley and, and Zemo and all that stuff. I thought that shit was just chef's kiss. Um, I think they handled John Walker really and well. John too. Walker I'm, was awesome too. Yeah. Underrated part of it. I, I would have preferred that he just been the villain of the whole miniseries. Keep it really yeah. low budget. Keep it really espionage. But yeah. And I think that I agree. You know, there's probably some behind, behind the scenes stuff that we don't necessarily know about. So. Yeah. And I think that, you know, my, my biggest complaint about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is not a valid complaint at all. But watching the show, I was like constantly thinking, like, man, this would be really cool if it was directed by Lindelof and was rated R TVMA like the Watchmen show was, yeah. because that's kind of the more of the vibe I really wanted is like a super corrupt for political comic book race relations in America. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like that's Big what time. I wanted. I wanted it to be Watchmen. Like I think Watchmen is. I mean, Watchmen might be the best single season of a television show ever made. <laughs> It's up there. It's up there. It's definitely up there. Uh, and Falcon and the Top Winter Soldier is kind sure. of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is kind of like a family or friendlier version of that story a little bit. Yeah. So that's why not my favorite. My favorite part of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is definitely like the two of them fixing up the boat with like his family and stuff. That montage is really great. Yeah, give me Louisiana any day of the week, baby. Yeah. There's not I enough. Love them just like enough things set in the body. Throwing the shield at those those cypress trees. Mm. Mm cooking gumbo Makes you want to boil up some crawdads <laughs> boil up some crawdads. take that thing out to the sea yeah uh my last honorable mention is squid game okay mm, um cool show let's cool wait. premise yeah yeah let's we'll talk wait about to talk about bit. that yeah because right. i just finished it like two days ago finally cool that's my honorable mentions all right i'll start us off if you want love you Two. Number five. <laughs> COVID brain, sorry. Very good. Number five for me. I uh, finally watched all of Star Wars, The Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. It's seven seasons long. It's been a huge commitment that I didn't necessarily want to make a long time ago. Um, I watched the first two seasons air on Cartoon Network when I was in middle school, and then I gave up on it because I wasn't a huge fan. And then... Um, I got back into it recently after, you know, the Mandalorian and stuff. And I, I watched seasons, essentially seasons three through through seven. Um, the thing that I really want to hit on the most for me, though, is in the final season on Disney Plus, which came out last year, 2020, two years ago. Um, season seven was made specifically for Disney Plus for the launch. The final four episodes of that is like one long animated Star Wars movie. Um, featuring Ahsoka and Darth Maul during Order 66 and spliced in with footage of Revenge of the Sith that has been reanimated to fit the Clone Wars animation style, but it's the same audio clips of like Samuel L. Jackson and Ewan McGregor and stuff, which is just really cool to like kind of like plug it into Revenge of the Sith in the same way that like Jedi Fallen Order did um, a couple years ago when that game came out. So if you're looking for a fun Star Wars thing, um, that isn't the book of Boba Fett. This is like a really cool, like 
four-episode arc on Mandalore. Gives you your Mandalorian jollies, kind of sets up that, that show eventually. Tells you what happens to Darth Maul, Ahsoka, and all that stuff as the Clone Wars comes to an end and then sets up the original trilogy. So that's my number five. Cool. My number five is Invincible. Yep, which I didn't watch, but I've read. <laughs> and that's the crazy thing to me is that this, I can't, this is one of those shows where there's a couple of shows on here where it's like, how in the fuck, how in the flying fuck did this come out in 2021? But it did. I, it just feel this year is the year that just went on forever. Like 2021 felt like two years spliced together. Mm-hmm. Um, but Invincible is one of the best animated things I've ever seen, period. Like, it is so well-crafted. The acting is phenomenal. I love what they did with the story. And as someone that was a newcomer to the franchise, like, it just opened my eyes in a way that I did not expect them to be open to this universe where, you know, I've always known that Robert Kirkman was, you know, quote-unquote, a visionary, a, 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 you know, a pioneer, Master the long form. Yeah, he just like he was on the top of the game, and I always knew that, but I didn't understand why because I never got into any of his comic series. I never really <laughs> got into like The Walking Dead or anything. Um, but man, this Invincible show is just like, or the Invincible world in its in itself is just so. You can tell that he poured every ounce of his like heart and soul into this series like all the different planets and worlds and powers that people's names their backstory where they come from their character dynamics as other people people's goals their you know what they're scared of what they love it's like it is way better than and it has any right to be with like aliens it's it's better than it has any right to be as a show with aliens like superpowers (laughs) shape-shifting people giant blue twins like it really does it really feels like the most elevated form of its craft Um, oh definitely and i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was just spectacular each episode ends in a cliffhanger that makes you just immediately want to watch the next episode yeah who's your favorite character that isn't mark or nolan Oh God. Um, I mean, it's been a minute since I've watched it. So I'm going to be a little bit rusty on like full names and stuff. I mean, Adam Eve is, is cool. He was um, great. Yeah, definitely. I really like, uh, <laughs> I think Cecil's an interesting character. Um, and the whole like government aspect of the show is really cool. Like it's kind of yeah. what the it's whole like show the is corporate Incredibles. Yeah. The whole show is, and the universe is kind of what I think that Zack Snyder wishes the DCEU was a little yeah. bit, which yeah. is like, what if aliens, like, what if, you know, these gods and, and monsters suddenly became part of Earth? How would we deal with that? And he decided to deal with it in a much more, like, I don't know, gospel-y sort of way, like, like these titans and stuff like that. And this, this kind of treats these characters more like flawed humans, which I think right. is a bit more compelling. Nice. Nice. I love Alan the alien. That's my favorite. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's voiced by Seth Rogen. That's great. It's great casting. <laughs> Perfect. 
Um, coming in for me at number four is a show that you already mentioned in your honorable mentions, which is Hawkeye. Um, this spoilers is actually, you know, I'm not going to spoil it because that wouldn't be fun for our listeners and wouldn't be fun to you. Um, I really enjoyed Hawkeye. It was a lot of fun for me. We've spent the last couple of weeks talking about it, so I'm not going to continue to dive into it. You all know my thoughts. I love it. I love the Kingpin. I like how it all ties together. The, the action's great. The comedy heart balance is perfect for like a holiday show. Um, so recency bias, I don't care. I <laughs> probably wind up. I will probably wind up rewatching. Fuck you, one. recency bias. Yeah, I will probably wind up rewatching it. Um, I can see this Love being my... like a good Christmas rewatch every year. Exactly. Like, just exactly. Easy to put on around the holidays. Like, perfect. Look no further yeah. than Hawkeye. Love, love splicing Florence Pugh in there. Yelena was great, crushing it in every scene with Kate. Um, her moment with Clint, I really enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see more of Kate Bishop in the future. And I hope they just let Clint Barton retire because that motherfucker is getting too old for this shit. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's got for. one more role left in him there. I think you need to have like if Hawkeye they do it, season two. No, I, I would rather them just do Hawkeye, the like another movie or something like or Hawkeye Kate Bishop or call it something different, but it, have it be like actually fucking just call it Hawkeye. Who gives no, a shit? They should do they should do West Coast Avengers because Clint was the leader of that team. How funny would it be to have the Barton family move to like a ranch in San Bernardino Valley, California? <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not going to move. It's just going to be like... But what if be they have to run because the kingpin knows about Laura or something? I don't know. Mm, interesting. Anyway, we'll, we'll get too lost in the weeds here if we start predicting the future. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll show up. I just... If, they were, if this were to be Jeremy Renner's last appearance as Clint Barton, I would not be unhappy about it. No, definitely not. <clears throat> I might give you my number four. Number four, he's holding up four fingies. I was drinking. Uh, so my number four is Midnight Mass. Um, Midnight Mass, okay. Yep. So, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, shocking, crazy. Okay, well, not, actually not shocking because you've recently just become indoctrinated into the church of Mike Flanagan uh, yeah. because you watched 12 hours of Hill House within the span of 24 hours. <laughs> Best 24 um, hours spent in my book. Yeah, Hill House, uh, Hill House, and um, what's the other one? Blind Manor, both excellent shows. Mike Flanagan is an excellent, excellent director. And uh, this this Netflix exclusive uh, came out. I feel like mid like to late fall. It was right around before we went to Kelly's Island, um, which I couldn't have picked a more perfect time to watch it because it takes place <laughs> on an island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, a, it's a very well-crafted show and, and saying anything more than this is just, is too spoilery because it deserves, you know, going in with fresh eyes and just kind of experiencing it. It is quite unlike, it. yeah, it's quite unlike most horror that I've ever seen. It's very, it is very somber and cerebral, um, the powerhouse performances all around by all these great young actors, like a lot of newcomer actors too. Like Flanagan likes to use a lot of unknowns. Uh, he uses one of my absolute favorite actors as, as one of the main characters, which I can't remember his name, but he's, he's, uh, he's in Legion and he's been in a lot of smaller projects, but he, Flanagan likes to use a lot of these like lesser known actors and, um, 
the world just feels so rich and the story is so interesting and you know it's a slow burn like it's very much kind of like a a shining effect sort of movie where it's like you're you're it's like the ticking time bomb you're like yeah like each episode is kind of like oh shit's going down and and like it, things keep progressively going and going and it's like a snowball it's rolling down a hill it's a good show. It's a really good show to watch in spooky season, but now it's even like, I think that even now it's a great show to watch. Hold up snowing outside. You're cold inside. You throw on a blanket. It's like settling into a nice good book. Yeah. I usually wait till like mid January and I throw the shining on and I'm like, man, I got to get outside. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't reached the stage of my 10 day quarantine to watch the shining yet, but I should probably do that. It's coming. You're going to look up in the mirror and Lloyd's going to be standing there. <laughs> you're like brushing your teeth. How's my credit in this joint, Lloyd? Um, well, that's awesome, man. I, I am excited to to watch it, and that ties into my number three, which is The Haunting of Hill House, which, ah. I, watched for the, <laughs> which I watched for the first time in October in spooky season when we were in Brooklyn for the weekend. Shout out to John and Anna for letting us crash. Um, I watched the whole thing in 24 hours. I stayed up. <laughs> I stayed up until 4 a.m. watching it by myself because everyone passed out after we went to the bars and I was completely riveted. Um, so your number great. four is something that came out in 2018. <laughs> number three. Number three. Um, it's just really well paced, really well directed. I love the tracking shot episode where they're at the spoilers. Oh yeah, that's the best the, episode. They're at the funeral and yeah, it's like cutting back and forth in time. Um, the kid actors were really good in that show, which is hard to do. Um, That's a rarity. Yeah, no, I just, I, I loved it. It's been out for a while, so I feel like I don't need to rehash it, but um, it's definitely got me back into the Flanagan wheelhouse, for sure. Um, my number three is Ted Lasso, season two. Um, yep, which I also haven't watched. <laughs> <laughs> uh ted lasso just continues to uh astound me in terms of a dramedy um and i should know better like going into the second season like the first season blew me away total surprise um i i plowed through that fucking show man and then like season two came around i was lucky enough that i got into season one right as season two was like starting to come out um and it's it's uh, the showrunner is Bill Lawrence, who is most notably known for his work on showrunning the entirety of Scrubs, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. I think that that is that show is genius. If you've never, all y'all out there, if you ever not go back watch Scrubs, go back and watch you some Scrubs because that shit will make you laugh and cry all in the same episode. Um, and that's what Ted Lasso is kind of does too. Is that it's like it is the best sports movie ever, ever like it's just so human. It feels so human and so interesting and relatable. And it, like, these people don't feel like they're obviously they're very, ele they're elevated personalities, but they feel very human and they deal with very normal things. Like they don't, they're not worried about what car they're about to buy or like, they're not worried about, so much winning this championship and being this whole big thing. It's really about like, what are these people doing in their normal everyday lives and how do they work with each other? And, um, yeah, it's just very, very well, well crafted. And, um, season two is not nearly as good as the first one, but it's still better than like 90% of what's on TV. So 
that's a win IMO. Um, it also has uh, a really, really great Christmas episode, which is a, seemed to be a theme this year in addition to Hawkeye as well. But season two nice. has a really good Christmas episode, which is really cool too. Um, ends with a really, really awesome finale too. Like I, this is one of those shows where it's like, it's officially hit that point to me where it's like, it's, it's one of, it's officially one of those things that's too good for humanity. Like we don't deserve something as good as Ted Lasso and it needs to end. It needs to end. (laughs) It needs to be over like this. They need to kill this thing after season three, maybe take it to season four. You can't risk tarnishing this show. You got to end it. So yeah. end it. It's, it's officially at the point of being too good for humanity. Gotcha. I would love to sit down and talk to you about favorite sports movies because you've been on on your soapbox the last couple of months with saying that Ted Lasso is the best sports movie and Connor and I have come after you a little bit by saying that a television show is not allowed to be considered the best sports movie, but I agree that I've heard it's like some of the best like on-screen sports storytelling. Yeah, whatever um, so you want to call it, best sports I can't wait content. to watch it, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd say. It's like... Yeah. If you can consider it a one long movie, then yeah. But it's also 20 hours of character development versus an hour and a half long movie. Like right. it's not necessarily fair. Um, but then again, I don't think if you extended Remember the Titans out to three seasons that it would have the same impact. Um, it's called Friday Night Lights, buddy. It's already out there. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, Ted Lasso, go check it out. It's really good. Nice. So my number two is Squid Game. Um, I watched it in <laughs> Korean with English subtitles, as it should be watched. Uh, I yeah, just I tried watching it. that English dub, and that is some hot trash. <laughs> I just finished it a couple days ago. It is chilling. It is visually, like, just so pleasing. There's so much bright colors and, you know, um, aesthetics to the eye that are great, and it's, like, perfectly balanced on screen you know in terms of just like spacing of where characters are even standing and and overhead shots and the yeah. games are so messed up and the the concept is so simple yet so scary um some of the characters are developed really well others are very one note but um I found myself like getting like drawn to the tears in, in certain parts of the, the show because it's just so it's just so intense and, and hauntingly beautiful. There are also plot lines in that show that they like go to nowhere, which is kind of like <laughs> one of my least favorite storytelling devices. But misdirection. Yeah, overall I really enjoyed it. And um I don't know if I would want there to be a season two. I'm sure they're probably gonna try. Um, There's going to be two more. <laughs> interesting. There was a story but, uh, this week where they're apparently ribbing the creator of the show to come back for a third. They've already convinced him to do a season two, but now they're like, come on, make it a season three, make it a trilogy. So they wanted this cash cow. They're going to milk. They're going to milk the tit of this cash yeah, cow. Until they're going to hunger games the fuck out of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, if you want to be drawn to tears, go watch the marble episode. So yeah, it's some sad shit right there. Yeah, that's, um, some, that's some tough stuff right there. Yeah, it's a really great show. It is what, uh, you know, I, I've said this to someone, I can't remember who I said this to, but it's kind of like if if Wes Anderson directed like a rated R thriller horror movie. Um, yeah. 
Like it's so visually appealing, which you don't normally get in, in stuff like this, in this genre. Like I'm thinking of, I know that this is a cliche example, but I'm thinking of something like a saw or like a hunger, uh, not a hunger games, yeah, kind of in like a hunger games, but like a, like the purge or something like that, like high concept idea, but low artistic execution. That's usually what you get in these, in those kind of horror movies. Like, Saw movies look like the fucking Matrix. It's just washed out and green, and it's just like yeah. all this blood and like dark, gringy corners. But like, what's really cool about Squid Game is that it it frames this entire horror ish narrative, this torture narrative. Sorry, siren's gonna go by. That's on my end. In case anyone's driving their car right now, they're about to. <laughs> Don't freak pull out. over. You're fine. Don't pull over. You're fine. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. Okay. So like, um, unlike those horror movies where they focus on the grim aspects in the world, like squid game has a very horrific narrative, but it's also, it's, it's framed around this beautiful dystopian, everything's symmetrical. Everything is very like pastel colored and, and the costumes that people are wearing, the, the, the color palettes of people, the games themselves, like, it's a very unique concept. Um, and it's one of those things where I kind of have to separate my, like, part of me is like, ah, this is the most popular thing in the world. Like, ah, I don't yeah, yeah. watch it. But then I'm like, ah, it's really good. <laughs> it's actually really well made. Like, sometimes I have to, <clears throat> you know, I don't think I'm a hipster, but sometimes I, you know, I look at something where I'm like, ah, the masses love it. The masses are asses, you know. But Squid Game is really, really good. So you know, it's very good. And I was late really to the well party, and I'm glad none of it got spoiled for me. But yeah, and it actually does have some legitimate twists and turns, stuff that you wouldn't expect coming. And you know, because definitely you can look at this thing. You, I'm, like, and that's the thing is that like, I'm sure that after this this show was released, I'm sure that there were multiple five to ten directors and screenwriters in Hollywood that like fucking threw a glass against the wall, and they were like, "Fuck, I had that idea!" Like. Yeah. Why why didn't I come up with that? Is what I bet people across Hollywood said. Like, why didn't I come up with the idea of dystopian playground games? Like, why didn't I come up with that? It's such a simple concept that no one has ever thought of before. And that's so rare. You don't like I think that that's the most the most unique thing about the show is that it's a, it is a truly unique concept. Like a hundred percent truly unique. No one's well, ever come up with that before. I think that's why I liked it so much is in a year 2021, which felt more of like <laughs> waves of nostalgia and feeding into my pop culture IPs that I love and that are like comfort food. It was nice to have something that like pushed me in my comfort zone. Yeah. So shout out to squid game. My For number sure. two. <clears throat> um, I'm going to call this the one, two punch here. My number two is Loki. And I think you can probably guess my number one is, but they're both Marvel shows. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. masses are asses. <laughs> there we go. He's uh, literally talking about it as he's part of the problem. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. I, yeah, Loki was awesome. I thought it was uh, so close to being one of my favorite Marvel things ever. It is still one of my favorite Marvel things, but it almost crossed the threshold of that like top five-ish sort of area of like, yeah, Loki is exactly what I want Marvel to do more of. Like that first episode of of Loki where... Also, I just love that aesthetic. I love the aesthetic of him 
the whole thing with the Battle of New York and the Tesseract. He takes the thing, he escapes, he gets picked up by the Time Variance Authority, and then he goes to the Authority. And then there's that whole sequence of him waiting in line in this, again, like a very dystopian sort of thing, like a, you know, time rules all. And do you know where your place in the timeline? And it's very, uh, it's very author- authoritarian, like, uh, Ayn Rand, Bioshock. It's that kind of like that kind of that dystopian sort of concept that I really jive with. I love, I love that kind of, that, that kind of environment. And, uh, that whole introductory sequence where Miss Minutes is telling you all about like your place on the timeline and what happens when there's a variance and all this stuff. And then it, it ends with him like holding up the ticket and it goes into Loki and I'm right. like, let's fucking go. Like that is the kind of Marvel. And, yeah. and we'll talk about that it's when like we talk about Polar Express on steroids. Yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about that when we it's get like to Marvel my Polar Express for sure. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about that when we get to my number one or whatever, but I like it when Marvel goes really, really weird. And um, I love that Loki took a lot of risks. I love the relationship with him and Owen Wilson. I loved the cliffhanger of the ending, that whole last episode is like one of my favorite bits of dialogue in any Marvel thing ever is, is with he who remains and, and that actor, um, do you know his name off the top of your head? Jonathan majors? Is that what it is? Jonathan majors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you nailed it right on the head, buddy. I was about to, <laughs> about to come in from the top rope, but you, you were ready. Uh, I hope that he has a long career with Marvel because if that one single performance was any indication, like I can't wait to see him as a villain in the rest of the series. Um, the other thing too, is that like, yeah, strong Sherlock vibes as well. Not just from that last scene of him giving off Moriarty vibes, like monologuing in the pool, but it was also just like each episode's a little mini mystery and you're unraveling this big mystery. And then it ends with a big cliffhanger. And I'm like, yes, like, Ah, I just loved it. I loved, I loved Loki so much. Like we're talking about it right now. just makes me want to put it on right now. Like I could, I could binge the shit out of that in one night. It's great. It's really good. And, um, I love the buddy cop duo between him and Owen Wilson. I think we talked extensively about it when we discussed the show a couple episodes ago, but of all of the Disney plus Marvel shows, it's the one that deserves a second season in my opinion. Or a spinoff, if you will. Um, and it is getting a second season. It's the only it one is. of them that has ended with a season two, like Loki will return in season two. And I right. think that I'm that's just saying totally, it's, yeah. It's earned for me more than House of Harkness and the Echo show. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I could give a fuck about either of those. Yeah. But Loki also, just like to go with you, like kind of reminds me of Blade Runner a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah the musical intro with the, with the title sequence. And I'm actually kind of remiss that I didn't put this in my top five, but it's really good. It's really good. Just because it's not on my list doesn't mean I didn't love it. As yeah. Well. It also reminds me of like fallout too. Like, yeah, like yeah. that whole, like, man, I would play the shit out of a Loki video game. That was this storyline, like hopping between yeah. timelines and, oh man, quite possibly my, favorite richard e grant performance is, is him as like the the old, old loki, loki. <laughs> classic yeah. loki yeah so funny <laughs> glorious purple <laughs> that shit's so awesome yeah alligator yeah. loki kid loki president loki like i loved all the variant shit i hope that they turn that up to 11 in season two yeah well why don't i give my number one even though you told me what it was gonna yours is and then we'll talk about yours because i think it'd be better to end on yours so Mine's Yellowstone. Uh, recency bias, maybe a little <laughs> bit, but uh, 
We need to make that a shirt. (laughs) Like the front of it is just like, it's just recency bias in big letters. And it says Radiovania on the back. (laughs) Well, it should say recency bias on the back. It says, but I don't give a fuck. Um, (laughs) I recently watched all four seasons over the course of like two weeks. Um, This is a show that I really love and really enjoy that Zach would not. But (laughs) I'm going to try to give you like the elevator pitch is the Godfather in Montana essentially so it's this big crime lord he's in charge of this family he has four kids all of which are specialized in different things he clearly has his favorites and the ones that he doesn't give a fuck about they get involved with different race relations with the native americans that live on the reservation nearby it's a political thriller it's it's got some great action and violence but it also has sequences of like people wrangling cattle and like teaching people how to saddle a horse and like beautiful vistas and honestly like if the show didn't have kevin costner and wasn't like aesthetically appealing to me about like being in the mountains in montana i probably wouldn't care as much about it as i do sure um in terms of like getting involved but like once you're in like the characters are very bright and so well developed and fleshed out and like their interactions are great um i haven't watched the prequel that stars like Sam Elliott and Tim McGraw or something oh like that. God, but there's a prequel? Is it a yeah, movie? It's a no, it's a mini series on Paramount Plus called 1883. And it's about how the family that owns the ranch in like Yellowstone, like how they got that ranch. So it's huh. like back back during the California gold rush or something. Interesting. Yeah. I'm Sam I've heard it's really good and that Sam Elliott's amazing in it. So I'll probably check it out eventually. But okay. um yeah, Yellowstone, number one for me. It gave me exactly what I was looking for out of it. And that's for me, as you know, I'm a pretty easy guy to please. So that's, there's beautiful women and wearing wonderful <laughs> Western clothing. And uh, I learned a lot of things. There's some great, like, <laughs> there's some great, like Kevin Costner one-liners in that show that you, I, I convince you, Zach, that if you watched it, you'd be like, He's just playing Pot Kent, but he's like more of a dick. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm glad loves, you're enjoying it. I'm glad everybody you're... loves harsh language, sex, and violence. So there you go. That's my number one. Very cool. All right. You're going to need to introduce the next topic, but while you do that, I need to go get a little bit more to drink. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about WandaVision. Is oh shit! One? Oh fuck! I forgot that I still haven't yeah. said my. <laughs> let's uh, let's. All right, my number one. And yeah, we can, and then we can pause. Yeah, oh, I forgot. I've totally forgot about that. My bad. Okay, so um, this is why you're the host of the show, and I'm I, I've been demoted. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm no good anymore. I'm all I'm all burnt out, old buddy. <laughs> um, my my number one is WandaVision. Um, as hard as I try to fight it, like try to find something else that I like better, or try to think about something I like better, like. I don't know why, but it all comes back to this show for me. Like I was so caught off guard by it. Not what I was expecting at all. I expected something very marvel and very safe. Um, yep. It's not what we got. What we got, I think is a huge risk. I think it is a more of a risk than people actually give it credit for. Like people want to go out there, like the Scorsese's of this world. They want to say that they're not doing anything interesting, that it's just a big thrill ride. If what? you're playing the uh, Scorsese drive-by shots from Zach drinking game at home, that's two shots. Two shots. Two shots of vodka. And uh, 
what WandaVision did was I think it it gave a much more approachable sort of David Lynchian uh look on what a superhero could be. It is a it is a story about grief and about uh you know overcoming hardship and tragedy and like learning to live with the mistakes that you've made and you know yeah. dealing with loss and it is profound and it's set on this and it's set within the parameters of this really like warm hearted framing device of classical television which is you know and it starts with fucking you know i love lucy right is like or like that's yeah. one of the that's one of the first things is that is the whole i, I love lucy angle it's i love lucy i dream of genie bewitched and then like yeah they're pretty similar. They're, so, they're same area, but then there's yeah, a magical so. girl that hangs out with normal people. Yeah, it's the yeah. same fucking thing. <laughs> um, but it, yeah. So, but and then there's Malcolm in the middle. There's Modern Family. There's all this stuff like these touchstones in our lives family growing ties. up. Yeah. Family ties. Yeah. Oh, that's the best episode too. Is like the one where they're they're getting drawn on the easel or whatever. That's my favorite fucking episode, dude. That's the '80s one, right? I think so because that's the one Can where we they talk the, about how fucking good elizabeth also oh, looks, looks in those great. 80s mom jeans yeah, with that like perm and and Take yeah it's church baby it's vision in the sweater vest like throwing the football with his kid or whatever yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh my god i love that shit so much it is so funny because yeah like growing up with like you know i grew up watching reruns of like you know, I love Lucy and the Hogan family and, you know, Malcolm everybody in the middle, Raymond. everybody loves Raymond, like all that shit, that stuff speaks to me so deeply. And the fact, the way that they twisted it all, it's so, it's so cool. Like I really loved how slowly over the course of a few episodes and uh, you start getting little pieces and little hints to the puzzle. And well, it's I also really- the first thing post end game. Besides, yeah. like, Spider-Man that we got that, like, kind of begins to flesh out the blip, which will become the known as. So, yeah. The Monica storyline as a sub story is actually really good. Yeah. And they yeah. made me like Darcy. Yeah, that's a miracle, too. They made you, like, the worst character from any of the Marvel movies. They made me like the Rose Tico of the MCU. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Yikes. Um, I went there. But yeah, the the craziest thing to me of of all of it is that like yeah, two of the Avengers I could care the least about is Scarlet Witch and Vision, and somehow they made them the most they made the most like emotional maybe thing in the entire MCU um, with Wandavision. I think that it, oh, and <laughs> a villain you just love as well. Like not that Agatha. she's like Agatha's not the villain of like she's not like she's not like a Thanos level big bad, but like you realize towards the end that she's been kind of pulling the strings and well, she's like, she's like a new Loki, which is funny yeah. that we also got Loki in the same year, but yeah, she's just like, just loves the chaos. Oh, right? talk, and, but just talk about such a great performance. From oh yeah. Catherine Hans, Catherine listen, Hans. Catherine Hans, a legend. Catherine Hans, come on. Yeah. The pod anytime. Oh, Catherine. <laughs> we'll talk about WandaVision. We'll talk about bad moms. We'll talk about stepbrothers. Whatever you want. We'll talk yeah. about anything. Uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, she's great in Parks and Rec. Yeah, she's so awesome. Good. She's great in everything, man. Put her in everything. And so, they, yeah, and that's... She actually that. might be, like, one of those, like, shortlist people where it's, like, I've never seen her be, like, bad in a role that she's in. Right. I don't care how bad the show or the movie is. Like, she's great. Yeah. 
And so, yeah. I see why they greenlit a show about her, but I would rather her just be in the movies. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that, like, I don't, I don't really understand what they're doing with an Agatha show. I mean, perha- perhaps this will play more into, like, Multiverse of Madness. Um, maybe we understand a little bit more about what's going on with Scarlet Witch after this. Um, but I yeah. could really care less about seeing an Agatha show. I think she'd play better as the villain or the, as the background. I bet you Agatha... It's going to be like the Book of Boba Fett formula where it's going to be like her getting out of Westview, flashing back to her in like the Salem, Massachusetts era. That'd be cool. Um, But yeah, before we move on past this, I do want to say like WandaVision provided me with my one of my favorite moments of 2021, um, which was the Quicksilver reveal. Um, Oh, yeah. Because I wasn't, I didn't see it coming. It did not. I correct me if I'm wrong, but that didn't leak. That shit didn't leak at all. Did not. Um, not, not at all. And here I am sitting on my couch watching this fucking show and fucking Evan Peters or whatever opens the door and I lose my marbles. I'm, I'm like, and I like stand up and I'm like, no fucking way. No fucking way. I'm, I'm losing my brain (coughs) because fucking first mention of you know, the fact that Disney had acquired like Fox like a couple months prior. So crazy. But then crazy. it turned out to just be Ralph Boner. I know. And, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing is that huge like, light down. Yeah. They, they, they played it off as a joke, which, you know, is funny in retrospect, but in the moment, like that, that moment was so good. And, and even, even looking back, <laughs> you know, I could complain that, you know, I wish it was a part of a bigger narrative, but in reality, Evan Peters wasn't going to be Quicksilver. They're going to reboot that universe. They're going to reboot the X-Men. What I do think it was is one of the coolest recognitions of Marvel that we understand that there's a universe bigger than just us. And that moment was such perfect fan service because I love those X-Men movies. I know you. I I have a guilty pleasure with a lot of those X-Men movies too. So it's like... um, yeah, that moment was just a top top five pop culture moment in 2021 for me. Definitely, man. Definitely. All right. I need I need to take yeah. a little bit of a break. And- we're, uh, so what we're going to do is uh, <laughs> we're going to stop. We're going to go to the commercial for the Swannies brought to you by Loot Crate. And uh, we're going to come back and we will talk a little bit about comic books and other books that we read this year. So we'll be right back. Oh, I was going to shit award. No, fuck. I was going to try to find like award, award show music. (laughs) Is that the, what kind of award music? Oh, (laughs) it's the Olympics. (laughs) I can't hear it at all. Welcome back to the Swannies 2021 in review. I'm your host, John Sonson Parker. Zach. <laughs> John Sonathan? <laughs> Is it John Swansong Parker? Oh, I, I didn't hear you. <laughs> Sonathan, My name's John Sonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to take my Zach, let's talk about some. Let's talk about some comics and movies. Let's do it. Let's do uh, what we do. Don't forget about games. No, I know. I, I got it all written down. Okay. 
we're saving we're saving the best two for last. Perfect. Yeah. So the question is, is do you have five things to talk about? For what? For comics and books. No, I have two. Okay. Well, then I'll front load it a little bit. Front load it. Um, so my honorable mention is to DC Comics is The Three Jokers, which is a mini series that came out written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Jason Babbick. It is a story about Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd finding out that there is more than one Joker, and they're trying to figure out how that is possible. And that's all that I'll tell you. It's very graphic. It's the unofficial sequel to The Killing Joke. It was teased for really? like five. It was really? teased for like five years. Yeah, really. Huh. It was teased for like five years by DC Comics, and Jeff Johns takes forever to write, and and finally released it. So that came out in 2021. I just wish it was longer. Um, coming in at number five for me from Marvel Comics was Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, which is a all black and white anthology comic book series featuring our favorite X Men. Um, the only color that is added is when he cuts things up and blood gets all over the pages. So it's very grotesque. Very Metal, violent. dude. It's really cool, though. You get stuff from him in Madripoor to him in Louisiana and the Canadian Rockies all over the place. So really fun, really good anthology series. Um, coming in at number four is another comic for me, which is from the DC Black Label, which is a 12-issue miniseries written by Tom King. Uh, with rotating artists called Rorschach. It is based off of the Watchmen character Rorschach, but it is not about Walter Kovacs or any other Rorschachs that's appeared in Doomsday Clock or anything. It is a um, 1989 political thriller that is in the same vein as the Watchmen television show, which is like alternate history where Robert Redford has been president for like seven terms and has hired an assassin to take out his opponent in the next presidential election. Um, and it's just a murder mystery featuring people wearing Rorschach masks. Really cool. well-written mystery. It's great. You can buy it as a trade now, which is how I would recommend reading it because it came out monthly, and sometimes you kind of forget the characters' names and stuff. But Can I go out to a comic book store and buy this, like, tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Wait, I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> we can God get a DoorDash to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Fuck. it's uh, it's really good though. By the way, um, there's a uh, I'm gonna interject right here while we're doing yeah, the comic book segment here. Um, Cosmic Gorilla. There's a new comic book store in downtown Cincinnati, right, right in my house, right where I work, in uh, in uh, the historic Over the Rhine and Finley Market called Cosmic Gorilla. Uh, I took John Larson there. We did a little bit of a tour. One of my old friends from Homage works there and is the owner. Um, it is a comic book shop combo bar. It is literally the concept that I've always wanted. Um, very, very cool. It's owned by the same people that own Tokyo Kitty. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, shout out to Greg and Cosmic Gorilla. I'm going to start my pull list with you guys in January. As soon as I'm healthy enough, I'm going in there and I'm going to get me some Rorschach. There you go, baby. They just auctioned off a P, uh, like a officially graded 9.6 Hawkeye first run, something like that for the Hawkeye, like finale, they auctioned it off for like, Oh really? There at the bar. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. really cool. It's a cool concept. Gonna... The next time you're in Cincinnati, we a hundred percent are going like we we'll have go. to go. Are you going to sign up for a book to read like month to month? 
I want to. I want to set up a pull list now because it's literally mm-hmm. less than a five minute drive from my parking garage downtown. I could I literally leave recommendations. work, go there, pick up my comics, and go home. Yeah, I have some or stay for a drink for sure. So Saga is starting back up. So no better oh, time. Oh yeah, I, I need to read to Saga. I, I I still need to read. I need to read Invincible. That's on my. That's my number two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then my number three is I read dune the book oh the com- um, the graphic novel no 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 the the novel this is oh, comic the, the novel, books. Novel. Oh, so okay this category is kind of like the golden globes where they lump comedy and drama together or whatever comedy and musicals um yeah why did yeah, they i read that? the novel before i saw the movie if you want to hear more go listen to our dune spoiler review um all right and then my number two real sad, comic- quick well, quick side question have you watched dune again since watching it in the theater no, 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 and it's probably not on HBO Max anymore. So it is, it is. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get around to it. Oh, you know what? I also uh, this is sidetrack. Um, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel is coming to HBO Max in like a couple weeks. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited wait. to watch that. It's been on sale on shit and like on Vudu and stuff for like ten bucks, but I'm like, eh, I can wait a couple weeks to see it for free. But I've heard that ben, that's really good. Too. Ben Affleck as an old medieval king, Hell <laughs> an yeah, old baby. blonde medieval king. It looks terrible. I can't wait. Yeah, it's gonna give be it awesome. To me. Um, my number two comic book series of the year. So this is an ongoing thing that I continue to collect is uh, DC Detective Comics. So featuring Batman and some other characters. Um, the, <laughs> the story tagline. Well, Batman and some other characters. Sometimes they get a writer to come in and like pinch it for three weeks, and they're like, "I want to do a Batwoman story," and it's like, "Okay, sure." Um, the uh, Mariko Tamaki has taken over writing for detective after the whole future state thing that they did in January. Uh, and they've been doing a great job. The stories in detective are way better than what they're doing in like the main Batman title right now, which is not what you would expect, but also detective has been around since 1939. So I think it's cool that the older comic book series has the better stories, but that's just me. So if you want a good Batman fix, that is where I will send you from last year. And then I'll just go ahead and finish it since you only have two on your list. My number one is Daredevil. Um, written by Chip Zdarsky with rotating artists. Uh, he went to prison. Spoilers. But not really that big of a, a big Wait, the, deal. Wait, the writer went to prison or Daredevil? No, no. Daredevil went oh, to Daredevil prison. Oh, Daredevil goes to prison. Okay. So Matt Murdock's Daredevil is in prison. They give him an orange Daredevil mask to wear with his Department of Corrections jumpsuit while he's in prison. <laughs> It's awesome. It's great. It was, yeah, by far the best comic book that I read last year. Now, this is like a specific trade or like? This writer has been writing Daredevil for three years, so you could probably start to go back and read his run on it. It's probably only three trades in. This I think we're only on like issue 35. Oh, really? Yeah. No better time than the present, Zach, to get started. Yeah, here's what I need you to do is, uh, you know, homework between now and the next time I talk to you, so like tomorrow or whatever. I need you to, uh, I need you to write me down the Daredevil trades because I, I want to read Daredevil comics because I like the Daredevil awesome. show. They're awesome. And I'm like, man, I would, I feel like I would like these comics. I feel like I would like it, like, yeah, I like I would like the comics. Um, fucking Kingpin's the mayor of New York City. It's fucking great. It's so good. 
Um, and then also I need you to write me down the other thing we were just talking about, the Rorschach thing. Saga. Oh, Rorschach. Okay. So I know I need to get into Saga. I know I would like Saga, but I feel like before I jump into Saga, which is like a giant fucking saga, no pun intended, I need to I need to read Invincible. Yeah. And that's such a daunting task. That book is literally a chode. You literally have had like 10 days where you could have just torn through it. Like you I know. could have just finished you know the whole, it's so easy to get sucked into. Fuck. Yeah. I, fuck. I should have done more reading. I've been playing a lot of video games in my quarantine and watching Daredevil. Yeah. I've been watching Daredevil. At least that's something. I mean, I'm not going to complain. At least you're watching Daredevil. Yeah. All right, yeah, my two my two comics and books are easy to go through. It's Invincible. Like, what I have read of the compendium is fucking great. I love that universe. No need to belabor yeah. the point. And then the other one is Gideon Falls. Um, so that ended in 2020 because that was going to be my number one. But you got to read it in 2021. Yep. I did not because I read it in December of 2020 was the last time I've read it. So. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, because I could be wrong and I could just be, 2021 could just be a time vortex. You know, time is a flat circle, as Matty McConaughey would say in uh, True Detective, time is a flat circle. Jonathan, mm. Jonathan, what you got to understand is time is mm. a flat circle. Mm. Everything comes back around and crawdads and fish and <laughs> shrimp creole. Uh, I thought that that like 85 page special or whatever it was what was that I thought that that came out in February of this year am I wrong did that come out no, in 2020 the trade came out in February the the last issue getting false which was an 80 page giant came out in December of 2020 oh because it was so the trade numbers. came out in 2021 the trade that would include the last issue yeah so you're good Oh, okay. So I actually did legitimately read it in 2021. Yes. I oh, okay, not, cool. Like, I did not read it in the year of 2021. You read so this. It was being on released. My list. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I had to go back and look it up because it was number one on my list. And then I was like, I feel like I read it when I was like sipping like a drink around Christmas. And I was like, that's weird. So then I looked it up and it released December 2020. Cool. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've said this on uh, numerous Radiovania shows. If you've not read Gideon Falls, get the shit on that. Like, it's so easy to blaze through. You could finish mm-hmm. it in a day if you wanted to. Like, there's Gideon only like Falls 26 is, issues, so yeah. like you can just crush it. Yeah. Bad ending. Like, it, it ends really, really abruptly, which is really frustrating. Yeah. But the, the everything leading up to it is just fantastic art, fantastic storylines, really cool characters, really cool like plots and everything, and like the worlds are really cool. Um, yeah, just a really bummer that it had to end the way that it did. I hope that somebody, I hope that maybe a couple years down the line, like there's a cult, enough of a cult following that they're able to continue it in some aspect. I think, I think Jeff will come back for a sequel for sure. Would not be surprised. Cool. What next? Um, real quick. I just wanted for the music category of the Swan oh, sure. brought to you by, uh, Manscaped. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> Uh, Spotify has been doing these things where they curate everything that you've listened to. And they, this year they added a thing where they tell you like your personality type and your moods based on what you listen to. And I wanted to see if you, if you had your saved. I mean, I I can, I can pull mine up real quick. Okay. I took a screenshot of mine and I thought it was hilarious. So my aura, I'm going to show you Zach and then I'll describe it to the listeners. This is my aura, the colors. 
It's a little washed right. out. Yeah. You might need to pull it back. Pull it back close to your face. Yeah, uh, it's not going to yeah, show it's, up. it's just your phone. It's like a mint green and like a magenta. Yeah. Are my, are my two colors. Um, this is what it says my musical moods are. You ready for this, Zach? Tell me if this sounds like somebody that you know. I'm Mellow listening. and hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So apparently based on my musical choices, that is, that is my mood. I think it's pretty accurate. Mellow and, mellow felt, and hopeful. I felt a little, a little AI seen by my phone when I looked at that. <laughs> For some reason, my when top. you see mellow and when you say mellow, what is it? Mellow and hopeful. Hopeful. I hear, now there you go again. <laughs> you want your freedom. So my <laughs> top. My top three songs that I listened to in 2021 that I remember. Number one, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Helplessly Hoping, which I think is just interesting for my life in 2021. Number two, um, Oscar Isaac and uh, That's a great song, though. Come on. Oh, it's great. Uh, <laughs> number two is Oscar Isaac's and Mumford's um, Fare Thee Well from the Inside Desmond Lewis soundtrack. That's a fucking Ruin. phenomenal song also. It's great. And then number three was Daughter by Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and I then next year, nine out next of year ten. it'll be Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. With Suspicious Minds. Uh, so you know how uh, at the end of... I need to cut together a commercial of... Uh, you know how like with medicine commercials where it's like, Ibuprofen is a, you know, it's a fast acting blood thinning drug that may cause suicidal depression or <laughs> at the end, it's like all these disclaimers. I want to cut together a commercial, but it's being friends with Jonathan Parker. You know, you would have to listen to him, to, like listen to, listen to an in-depth synopsis of Yellowstone seasons one through six. But then at the end, it's like, <laughs> warning, you may hear more Pearl Jam than you're willing to hear in your entire life <laughs> or whatever. Um, Perfect. so my audio aura, I'll see if you can see it on my webcam. My webcam is going to be even worse because of how, the, all the lights. It looks like it's kind of like purple and blue. Is that yeah, correct? That's not going to work out here. Let me turn the light off. Nope. This is even worse. All right. We're going back. Um, so my, yeah, it's kind of like purple and green a little bit. It's really hard to kind of describe, but it, my audio aura is hype and chill. <laughs> so a walking contradiction. I love it. <laughs> a walking contradiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sums me up. I'm a walking contradiction. Um, <laughs> my top songs are all really, really shitty because it's like, it's all stuff that you've never heard and no one's ever heard before. It's all a bunch of random indie shit. Uh, the one that did what sneak in, you are. I know the one, uh, my top genre is lo-fi beats, but that's mostly because I put that shit on when I'm like driving or I need to do work and I need to just have something on in the background. Um, but, um, my number five song is Brandy or a fine girl. So mm, it's a good one. Can't, can't argue with that. At Kelly's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> we run that yeah. song into the ground and then I can't yeah. listen to it again for another couple of years. It's like uh, Will Turner stepping on land once every <laughs> 10 years. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, so the 2021 year in review on Spotify was a pretty fun feature this year. I really enjoyed it. I mean, um, just talk about like, I was having this discussion with a friend of mine the other day. I don't remember who I was having it with, but it was like Apple Music. And maybe it was Larson, but it's like Apple Music will never win. Like Spotify has nailed it. They've nailed the discoverability of yeah. new music. They've just dis- my favorite. It's my favorite app. It seriously, time. it seriously might be the one of the best apps ever made because they've just nailed the algorithm of finding new music, discoverability, all the playlists linked together, all the stuff that you want, finding artists that you want, finding the stuff that you want. But then also they do all this really unique social integration stuff. Like you actually actively look forward to your year in review thing. It's like, it's been a cool thing the last couple of years. And so, you know, good for Spotify. I'm, gl- I'm glad that they're still thriving because, you know, I could have seen a reality where, you know, Spotify eventually goes under due to a bigger names, like bigger tech giants being able to control the music. But Spotify, I think, got it under wraps. And, and $10 a month for basically unlimited music is like, there's no better deal right now. And I yeah. can't believe they're still only charging $10. I bet that shit goes up <laughs> soon. So I think enjoy the, while it lasts. The funny thing, too, was like my review said that I was like in the top 0.01% of like Willie Nelson listeners, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big old fat hipster because I think I was in the 0.001% of 1975 fans. There you go. Um, yeah. yeah. You are a hipster, but that's why I love you. Let's yeah, talk about big, some video games. Big old fat hipster. Brought to you by PlayStation. Um, <laughs> PlayStation. So this is kind of where I'm going to like, I'm going to clear out the box. I'm going to clear out the lane so you can come in and, and NBA Jam slam dunk it. But I do actually have a bunch of new video games that I'm excited to talk to you about that Hell yeah. played this year. Um, I just have two honorable mentions, which are both Nintendo Switch games that I've recently played. One of which is Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, which is just a fun, nostalgia, mindless game for me. It's the a good other, game, though. It is very good. The other is Luigi's Mansion 3, which I rolled credits on today. And Congrats. I had a really good time playing it. Yeah, the boss fight was great. It, it kind of redeemed the end of the game for me a little bit. So. Yeah, I mean it's a long game, but it's also you know it's a very creative game. Nintendo doesn't miss with its first party stuff for the most part. Like I, I think I am bummed that you can't go back into the castle afterwards. Oh really? To go look to go look for booze? I don't think. Like you roll credits and like they left the hotel. So. I'm pretty sure if you start it back up, you start it right before you go into the final boss. Okay. All right. Cool. But Bye. I'm like 95% sure about that. All right. Okay. So those are your two honorable mentions. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. So I've got a lot of... Uh, do you have top... Yeah. Do you have all five? I have no... I have a top five. I have no you have doubt a top five? You, okay. I have no so, doubt that you played like three times the amount of video games that I did. Um, I did, but I didn't write... I played a lot of video games, but I didn't write all of them down in my awards. I played a lot of like kind of ho-hum games, a lot of Game Pass games. I mean, shout out to Xbox Game Pass. I played dozens of video games that I would never, um, I would never, ever, ever play. But um, I don't know. Game Pass being such a good deal and just having these games like I can download and play for a night. Like, right. You know, why not? Um, but yeah, so a couple honorable mentions. I'll start off first with 
um, a game that I really wish that you could fucking play, but you can't, and it really pisses me off. So it's called Unpacking. Have you heard of this game, John? No. So it was up for a few awards at the uh, Game Awards this year. It is an indie game made by um, Humble Bundle, which is like a, a an independent video game software company that they they made their shtick by um, they they would work with independent developers and bundle a bunch of independent games together, and they would put it out as a package and be like, "Hey, we want to sell you these games, and all the proceeds are going to go to charity. You can pay what you want." to download these games, but 100% of the proceeds go to charity. And we've worked with these developers to make that happen. And, you know, you will unlock more as you go up the chain. So if you want to donate a dollar, maybe you'll only unlock two or three of the games and download. But if you want to donate $15, you'll unlock all six. Um, Humble Bundle or Humble, as they've just been referred to recently, has been a really cool push for philanthropy philanthropy in the video game industry and they're a really cool company that works with you know they work to a highlight independent game developers that need a little bit of an extra judge but then also give money to places that you know need it and i think that it's really really cool and they developed this game it's a really really simple game i suggest you go look look up a youtube video or whatever if you get a second but the idea of the game is literally this it is a beautifully hand-drawn room. It's your room. And the whole concept of it is you are this person. You are Zach. You are John. And you're, it's a, it takes place within a scrapbook. And basically, the first photo that you open in the scrapbook is my, my first room, 1993. And it, it's back in this bedroom in 1993, and you're moving into this bedroom. And so you have a bunch of cardboard boxes in the bedroom and a bunch of empty shelves and empty bookcases and stuff. And you literally click on a box and you pull out a, a Walkman and headphones and you decide where to place that in the room. And then you basically just are moving. You're, take, you're unpacking all of your belongings. And there's this really, you know, like comforting music in the background and it's really like methodical and you're able to really be like it's you know i I hate moving in general like i hate lifting and organ like loading all stuff into the car but there is something really therapeutic i think about organizing a bedroom or organizing a room and that's basically what this game is and it's just like really artfully designed and really therapeutic and the whole thing is that like you know, you close that chapter in 1993. And then the next thing is like your first dorm room in 2000. And then it keeps going your first house or whatever. And it's telling this like really subtle story. It's really, really well, really, really well done. It's so fun. And (coughs) I don't know if it's ever coming to PlayStation, but it's free for game pass and just such a cool game. Like, um, Really, really unique concept. I've never seen anything like it in a video game before and very uh, very cathartic, very therapeutic. Um, it's cool to just, you know, you empty all these boxes and you have everything organized exactly how you'd want it organized if you were living in that dorm room. And it's very satisfying in a way that I can't really Im- uh, explain, but I really liked it a lot. Um, another honorable mention was Returnal for the PlayStation 5. It's uh, Housemark's brand new game. Housemark was best known for Super Stardust Delta, Super Stardust HD, 
uh, Resogun on the PlayStation 4, uh, Dead Nation, Alien Nation. They are a prolific independent studio that Sony picked up as a first party in the PlayStation 4 generation. Housemark is an awesome studio with great... They make great arcade-style games like Resogun. If, did you ever play Resogun on the PlayStation 4? Oh, man, that shit is that shit is like crack cocaine. It's like a it's an arcade Galaga style shoot 'em up, like super super cool. They make great games. Returnal is their first big budget production, seventy dollar retail release, third person over the. It's a third person alien uh, shooter, but it's a roguelike. So it's like you try to progress as far as you can, and then if you die, you go all the way back to the beginning, and you learn a little bit each time. Sometimes you gain upgrades that will let you progress back to those places even easier. Um, it is really hard, really gruesome, but very rewarding. Um, very fun game. Um, it's like Dark Souls or Demon Souls or Bloodborne, but in space with space aliens. So um, I think you would enjoy this game a lot, actually. I think it's really, really hard, so you might find a lot of challenge in it, but it's very cool. It's very sci-fi. It's very much alien. Like the protagonist is a is a is a woman character and it feels very much like a ripley alien sort of kind of vibe metroid yeah it's also very metroidy yeah cool um little shout outs here i'm not going to belabor the point too long here forza horizon 5 i'm not a huge racing game guy but the new forza came out for game pass again totally free for game pass subscribers and it is super cool looks great it's in mexico so like driving around in mexico and having all these really cool vistas there's one mission where you have to race up a like an active volcano and it's really fucking cool um (laughs) just a really unique take on a racing game um another honorable mention is far cry 6 um shout out to my man Giancarlo esposito yeah and dan castillo he's awesome uh far cry 6 is really cool it is not the it is not the best game in the world. It's a little clunky. The AI is a little goofy. You'll have a little, you'll have more moments than not where you kind of laugh out loud at some of the, you know, it's a lot, it has cyberpunk syndrome a little bit where AI is doing some funny shit or the world's broken a little bit or dogs are floating or whatever. But um, it's just a fun game and and yeah, uh, <coughs> uh, Giancarlo is inked on Castillo is a really cool performance. If you can pick that game up for like less than 30 bucks, like you're getting a steal. Um, I paid 64 at release, but I definitely, if you can get that game on a budget, like that's a, that's a weekend and that's a weekend and a six pack of beers, like easy. Like <laughs> that's a fun ass game right there. Um, yeah. and then my last honorable mention is halo infinite. Um, <laughs> vamp, dying. vamp for me, vamp for me for a second. Tell me something. Yeah, so Halo Infinite, uh, the multiplayer dropped before the story, but it is free to people that have Xbox Game Pass, if I remember correctly. You just have access to it. Um, Long-awaited return of Master Chief to the newest generation of Xbox games. I particularly am not a big Halo fan, but I really loved the like party game aspect of like the multiplayer from Halo 2 and 3. Yeah but I have no idea what the story has even gotten to at this point because I've yeah. only played the Combat Evolved story. So, <clears throat> Yeah, and the interesting thing, the, like the history with me and Halo is that like, you know, I grew up playing that game at Friends Sleepovers. Like I never yeah. really cared about Halo too much, um, but 
No. Um, the multiplayer always drew me in. And the very first multiplayer game I ever, like first online multiplayer game I ever remember playing that wasn't some fucking shit like RuneScape or Club Penguin was fucking Halo Bat Combat Evolved on the PC. It was yep. the demo build. And it was literally just Blood Gulch and it was Fiesta. So it was random weapons, the assault rifle and the pistol or a random weapon. And it was Blood Gulch. And we were just on a PC server and it was literally just me and Jensen fucking Harper. And we would sit in my terrible old Windows XP PC, but it, but it ran it. I couldn't believe it ran it, but it ran it. And we would just like clown people out and shoot and take turns and, you know, fucking kill people or whatever. But, um, <clears throat> Halo Infinite is really cool. Um, the campaign is a little bit like Breath of the Wild where, you know, it sets you in this open world, more open world, and you kind of get to attack objectives as you want to. Or, And I, I, it's really cool. It's a, a unique way to frame Halo. Um, but the multiplayer, just as addicting as ever. Like, it's really, really fun to just yeah. jump in solo with, you know, there's been a couple of nights this past week where it's like, what am I in the mood for? I'm not in the mood to jump into a big story game. Okay, I could play Halo for like 15, 20 minutes, play a couple rounds and, you know, call it a night. Like, it's just a very yeah. fun, fun game. And, um, you know, they did a really great job with it. It looks really, really good too, running on the Series X. And we're back. Welcome back to the Swannies, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we are just about to count down our top five video games of 2021 that Zach and I each played. Starting with number five, I will go first. Uh, clocking in at number five. It's a year late, but I finally played it. Uh, my number five is Bug Snacks. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, I played it on the PS5. Uh, it was a PS Plus game that I was able to snag for like the month that it was a PS Plus option. Um, and then I just had that shit in my library until one day I was like, I want to download this and play it. And it's just... It's fun. It's like Pokemon Snap with food. Um, yep. It's it's aesthetically pleasing and just a fun game to kind of like fuck around with late at night with your headphones on or something. So yeah, I think that game is genius, dude. Like all the different food names and the 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 clever ways that you have to go about catching these things. Yeah, it's a really well thought out game for something that is such a stupid concept. Like it's so artfully made and my favorite thing about it is um it's just so fucking funny like the character dialogue is hilarious but i also just love all the different bug snacks and like how they talk and shit like yeah um there's deals bunger bunger i like the chicago the weenie worm yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my god, I love that game so so much. It's so funny. The ending is so dark. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, it's very much like a Rick and Morty sort of joint. Like it, it, it surprised me at the end, like that that it wasn't like a a Justin Roiland joint that he didn't yeah. have some sort of hand in developing it. But um, there's DLC coming for that game this year, which I'm really excited about. I, cool. And I'm pretty sure it's free for people that own it already. But it's a uh, like a whole new island with a whole bunch of new snacks to catch and stuff like that. And I'm like, give me more snacks. Let's go. I <laughs> can't wait. Awesome. Um, was that your number five? Yeah. Okay. My number five, and this is an easy one. Call of duty Warzone. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's cliche to say 
you know, I'm not your typical bro shooter sort of guy. Like I I've grown up loving call of duty games, but what this game, what Warzone has really done for me is, has gotten me close to some friends in my life and given me something to, you know, do on, you know, boring nights in quarantine, like not going out to the bars, not really doing a whole lot else, but you know, me, Nate, Mike, and Ben can get on, you know, Warzone and, you know, practice, get better, win some games, lose some games, <laughs> but you know, have fun in the process and joke What's around. Your oh man, right now I'm still rocking the bullfrog, which is like an SMG kind of knockoff the bison. Um, I like the bullfrog with all the silence attachments. And then I, my secondary, I use dual Diamati pistols, but that's only a secondary that's basic because I'd like to drop those and find a sniper as fast as I can. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. That's my loadout right now. Uh, I'm kind tight, of the run tight. and gun guy in the game. Like, Michael is the uh, suicidal run and gun guy where he runs right into an enemy team where he's like, fuck it. These guys made me mad. I'm running guys. Where? And then he yells at us. He's like, where's my backup? Where's my backup? And we're like, dude, we did. <laughs> he's like, dude, you just ran off on your own. He's like, he's like, fuck you guys. I thought you were with me. Fuck you guys. But wild card. Michael's the end. Yeah. Till the Warzone. end. Yeah. But yeah, Warzone is just a really fun game. It really makes me sad that, that John doesn't play it with us because, um, you know, I don't, you know, I just, I wish I could, it could be a little bit closer to him. Yeah. It's not like I don't call him every day and check on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my number four is resident evil village for PlayStation five. Um, I feel like we talked about this recently during the game awards, but it's just a really fun game to play. Got it's like, it's got scary moments. It's got fun shooter moments. The dollhouse, bro. The dollhouse is terrifying. The, uh, shop system is great with the duke love the duke uh love the environment of the creepy village i don't like the factory portion of the game that's my least favorite part that part really started to piss me off but then they brought it home with a really cool finale so shout out to resident evil village i had a great time and it's just a fun next gen game to play and uh i would love to like dive back in and like see how long i can last in the castle dumatresque or something so yeah uh, that's also my number four. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, great minds, baby. Great minds. Uh, yeah. Won't belabor the point. Really fun game. Really, really, really fun. Um, not as scary as I, I thought it was going to be. I would have traded that entire warehouse chapter like you were just talking about for another like creepy chapter. Like one more... <laughs> like I thought the game... The only flaw about the game is that I thought it lacked balance. Like it was... Creepy, gothic, Dimitrescu house than it was. For me, it was like the village and um, the, uh, oh, God. The dollhouse? No, but what's the other one? Not the dollhouse. The reservoir? Uh, What is that one? The big fish guy? Yes. There's the big fish. The big fish guy. And then it was the dollhouse. And then it was the, the machine, like the, the armory place. And then it was the cool ending with, with Redfield or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of wish that between the dollhouse or between the, the warehouse and the finale, that there was one more super creepy puzzle boxy sort of area. I think that would have like really fleshed the game out a lot. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I would still give it like a solid eight out of 10 though. Oh yeah. Even I'd give it even like an eight, five. Like, I mean the production value alone, like that game is 
fucking gorgeous and like oh yeah the 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 it's village so itself cool. the art design of the village is is fantastic i could just walk around those houses for hours for hours yeah they great. did a great job with yeah. the with the environment design it's like a combo of like i don't know like modern warfare and bloodborne you know what i mean <laughs> sure yeah yeah it was a good time i really enjoyed it um my number three Super Mario Odyssey <laughs> the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Great fucking game. Man. Odyssey is the fucking jam, man. That, it's that so game good. is so fucking good. It's way too good. Of the three Nintendo Switch games that I've played, it's my favorite so far. Um the idea of like having the hat to be able to like possess other things in the yeah. world of Mario that both we know and that are new is such a great game device. And I think the pacing is wonderful and I was never bored or unhappy at any moment. I think every world has its fun perks to it. And I think I can say confidently that it is a perfect game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. Actually the next three games I'm about to say are all perfect games. So that's my <laughs> number three. What's your number three? Uh, my number three is Ratchet and Clank. Um, nice, yeah, um, cool. Fuck, I'm I'm forgetting what it was called now. Rift Apart. Rift Apart. Thank you. Yeah. Um, really awesome game. It is a must must play for PlayStation Five owners. Um, it looks gorgeous. It is fun. Uh, it's funny. Like the dialogue is hilarious. Uh, really fun combat. The guns is always if you're a Ratchet and Clank fan. Like the arsenal that you have is super fun. Uh, Mr. Zircon's back. Mr. Zircon required. <laughs> what is it? He goes, Mr. Zircon does not require or does not require currency. Or no, Mr. Zircon does not require money. Pain is his currency. That is the best gun. Um, yeah, the disco ball, all the shit. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank, just a super fun series. I hope that that series never dies or goes away. Those games are always just super, super fun. Very cool. My number two, another perfect game that I played for the first time. A little late to the party, but Bioshock Infinite. Hell yeah, brother. Um, I bought the Bioshock collection when that came out, Jesus, like five years ago. <laughs> um, which is all of them remastered for PS4. And I had played one and two in college. And then I had made Zach wait for me to play this until <laughs> I was uh, an old man waiting he's like a real alone. he's like a real nice southern dame you know he really makes you wait for it he's like mm-hmm. you want this puss nah you gotta yeah, you gotta be my father wait. first yeah. and everything yeah um but yeah i played it i played it in like a weekend i just couldn't put it down um it's storytelling at the highest degree um great shooter which i don't particularly love first person shooters but as with the other Bioshock games, the infusion of like the like biomechanical enhanced abilities with your offhand and then the gun in your other hand is just such, such a fun thing. Like I love to bucking Bronco somebody in the air and then like shoot them with a shotgun. You know what I mean? Like send them flying across the map or yeah, or something like that. Troy Baker, my boy, Booker mm-hmm. DeWitt is great. Elizabeth is a cool character. Um, Ashley, not Ashley Johnson. Um, no. Let me look it up. You yeah, talk about I, Bioshock Infinite for a minute, because I'm sure you've been waiting for me to bring this up for a while. Yeah, I mean, I would love to do 
you know, I would love to do, yeah, Biocast or whatever. Biocast. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Bioshock Infinite before The Last of Us Part Two was my favorite video game of all time. Courtney Um, Draper plays. Courtney Draper, that's right. Courtney Draper. Laura Bailey plays Lady Comstock. Oh, that's right. She Uh, does play Lady Comstock in that. I forgot about that. Kimberly Brooks is Daisy Fitzroy. Oh, Daisy Fitzroy. You want to start a revolution, DeWitt? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's a great game. I would love it is to such do a great cast game. with you sometime. Yeah, sure. I mean, Bioshock Infinite is just, uh, you know, the funny thing is that, like, did you do much research on the game? Like, on, like, whatever. It got, I went in totally raw. Just it had like, very I'm, mixed critical reception when it first came out. I don't know how that could happen. If this game came out, like, this year, I feel like it would just, like, blow people's dicks open. So this game came out the same year as The Last of Us. Oh well, that's the problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a big problem <laughs> because yeah. one of them, one of them is the def- defining game of that of that that era, and the other one was a sci-fi genre bending, you know, political thriller, basically for all intents and purposes. Like Bioshock mm-hmm. has always been about you know dystopian societies and what people do with them. And um, well, if this makes you happy, Bioshock Infinite. And another game on my list are in my like top five video games of all time now. Um, we need to go back. We did an After Dark where we did our top five video games like five years ago, and I think we need to redo that one. <laughs> because do, redo, do redo that. There's one? been some games that have come out since then, and, and things that I've discovered finally that would totally change my list. Yeah. So. Okay. That was my number two. That was your number two. My number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. Um, just an all-around excellent game. It won at the Game Awards. Remember when we did the fake Game Awards voting thing? I don't know what you mean. I thought we submitted it. That's not fake. Oh, did we submit <laughs> it? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ended up winning out for best narrative. Um, yeah, you said the story was really good. The story is the best part of that game. Like, I think the combat is really fun. It's very arcadey, but it's not super deep. But the cool thing, the thing that I wasn't expecting is that the game is really well-written. It's funny and heartfelt and emotional, and the story is really, really cool, and it does, like, Guardians of the Galaxy shit that I wasn't expecting. Like, I would have thought that James Gunn had exhausted all the possibilities for that group, but this... the, The fucking... The video game team behind fucking Lara Croft or whatever, Tomb Raider was able to make this like that's fucking impressive like the guardians of the galaxy video game is legitimately an awesome awesome story and uh i'm so glad i bought it on physical so i can just lend it to you the next time i see you because you're gonna fucking lose it there are multiple moments in this game for marvel fan like marvel lore fans that you're just your dick's gonna be blown sideways cool really fun game good performances too all around like the actress that plays Gamora in this is like fucking awesome. Like maybe better than Zoe Saldana. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I love Zoe Saldana. Yeah. All the actors in this really fucking give it their all, dude. The only one, the only one that I didn't like as much as the movie counterpart is Rocket. I well, think that Bradley Cooper's Rocket's better than this one. He's iconic. You're making me kick grass. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, my number one game that I didn't play entirely in 2021, but that I played a majority of in 2021 is Red Dead Redemption 2. 
my number two video game of all time. Oh, um, yeah, boy. It's amazing. Yeah, it's I read that so too. It's amazing. I loved it so much that I've been playing it for three years. And I told Zach and, and Grayson while we were at Kelly's that I would finish the story so that we could talk about it. And I finished it. But man, I gotta tell you, Zach, I wish I could go back in time and pretend <laughs> that I could still just like take my time. <laughs> because I, I feel like I did most everything, but I just liked being Arthur Morgan for like years. Like it was, it was almost like my second life. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like come home from UPS, go to the train station, play blackjack with a bunch of geezers, take their money get on Santiago right off into the sunset, go grill up some deer that I shot earlier. Oh, there's like, I don't know. I have this like weird love affinity with the old West, which is probably why Yellowstone was my favorite show of the year. But like Arthur Morgan is just a phenomenally developed character and he's not, he's the an immaculate. One. He's an immaculately well-written character. And there's so many other good ones too. Micah, Dutch Vanderland is great. Uh, obviously, John Marston gets some time to shine in this, not as much as the first game, but he's great. Um, Hosea, amazing. You know, like, can you imagine a Red Dead movie with like Sam Elliott playing Hosea? Oh my God. Yeah. They need to make uh, a Red Dead movie so badly. They need to make that movie before like Jeff Bridges passes away. So that Jeff Bridges can be like, I think Jeff Bridges make an excellent Dutch. I agree. I oh agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a flawless game. It has so much depth that you can be lost in it for years, like I was, or you can grind through the story if you want and then go back and explore as as John. Um, I cried when my horse got killed at the end, and then I doubled down cried when fucking Arthur died. Spoiler, but like it's been out for years. I'm sure people know. Yeah, it's been now. out forever. <laughs> um, I'm sorry it took me so long to play, but at the same time, like okay. I hope you can understand that, like that game for me, without getting too emotional, is like that was about a journey for me. Like I've been on a journey playing that game right when the COVID shutdown happened. And I almost was just like, it was just like my therapy to me in the same way that like Animal Crossing was people's therapy. Like people were playing Animal Crossing right when the shutdown happened. I was fishing in the river. Like <laughs> it was great. Um, I so was yeah, I just, fishing in the river. <laughs> I fucking love that game yeah. with all of my heart. So. Now that's a, I mean, it's a very special game. I, I really do wish that I could go back and, and play it without remembering it. There are times I yeah. think about like, you know, that's a game where I'm I'm keeping it in the back pocket. Like, there's been times where I've been really thinking about like, oh, I should re-download Red Dead and start it again. But it's like, yeah, no, I don't just, know. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna yeah, wait until it's like wait for eight that remaster. Years. Yeah, eight years. I'm gonna give it like five or eight years, and it's like I want to really forget a lot of the nuances. Obviously, you will remember the big story beats that stick with you, but like, I want to go back into that game and relive it again for the first time because much like I wish that I could be knocked unconscious, forget. Bioshock and go back through that whole series. Like, I wish I could do the same thing with Red Dead too. Cause yeah, dude, it's just like it's immaculate. Like, like taking the whole gang at night to the Braithwaite Manor. And that's like, a, that's my um, oh my god, my favorite. Everyone's part got of the torches and like you're setting it on so fire cool. and you're like killing people. It's like a Tarantino movie, and then you have other parts that are like a goofy like Kevin Costner 
Western where you're like fighting an alligator in the swamp. Or building the, building the house, which is also my favorite part. Uh, yeah, I mean, just... One of my other favorite characters, Sadie Adler, the best. Sadie Adler is awesome. The best. She's great. And if they made that movie, Jennifer Jason Lisa should play her. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I was actually thinking Emma Stone. That'd be cool too. Would be great. She got that deep voice that I think Sadie needs, but fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number one. What's your number one? <clears throat> my number one's Death Loop. Um, yeah. I think it's excellent. I think it's a really, really cool game. It is the Bioshock game that I, you know, I needed. <laughs> uh, I think it was like Arcane. Uh, Arcane's a Bethesda owned studio. Unfortunately, now now that Beth- Bethesda is officially owned by Microsoft, this is actually the last. Bethesda game that will ever appear on the PlayStation console, which is a real big bummer. Um, but um, what a hell of a way to go out. I mean, in terms of a PlayStation 5 first-party exclusive, like Deathloop is basically, it, it takes all the right cues from Bioshock. It's a really cool first-person shooter with telekinetic, telekinesis abilities in one hand and a gun in the other hand. Um but you just get to explore this really cool, like cold era sort of island, very James Bond esque. The music is all really like, it's all really, it's like a dirty western and um, really cool environment, really cool story, really interesting gameplay. Uh, just an overall, and the art design's awesome. The voice acting's so good, dude. Like. Uh, just an excellent game overall. Like, uh, really, really had a really a lot of fun with it. And I do think that it's mostly. I think the Guardians of the Galaxy might have won out if this game wasn't as fun to play as it was. Uh, but because Deathloop reminds me so much of a Bioshock sort of era game, like, yeah. takes the cake for me. I wish there were. I, it just shocks me that more studios, more people haven't taken that Bioshock formula and tried to steal from it a little bit. Very rarely does anybody do it. Like Bioshock's like a one of a kind, but this game takes a little bit from that that cookbook and really does it really well. Nice, man. I can't wait to play it. Yeah, it's really good. It's on sale constantly now, like mo- just like all other games are. Like the the new formula now for video games is that the first 3 weeks of their release they're $60 or $70 and then as soon as that 3 week period is over, boom. Like I think Deathloop was like $30 the other day on amazon.com like I mean, you can find these games for dirt cheap these days. It just takes a little bit of time. Sweet. All right. Our <laughs> final category of the Swannies, reviewing 2021 pop culture on Radiovania. Don't forget, we also have like uh, worst of, most anticipated, best of. Or... Right. We're, yeah, that's a good point. Movies. We're talking about <laughs> movies. So, um, this was the, the part of coming up with things that I did that I realized I didn't do a lot of. I did not watch a lot of new movies that weren't Marvel movies in 2021. That's wow. I watched a lot of movies that I had seen before, or I was really busy watching TV. One thing I didn't mention while I was in the TV category, not only did I watch all of the Clone Wars, but I watched all 10 seasons of Shameless in 2021. So I was kind of busy watching television. Um, Anyway, two honorable mentions for me. One is um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which did come out in 2021. It's not in my top five, but what a piece of history, man. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about it. 
no need to relitigate it. I haven't watched it since then. I probably will give it a rewatch now that it's almost a year old. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, that's just that movie just makes me think of our friendship, and it's just that old. the whole DCEU, which is not good, but it reminds me of us <laughs> just like shooting the shit and like making fun yeah, of it. You right. know what I mean? And like talking about how we wish it was different because we both love Batman and Superman and um, the DCU for all of its flaws is like something that I hold dear to my heart for that reason. So, sure. and that movie I feel like is like a great like pillar that it stands on. It's like, we got to see you and our friendship has pretty much been the entire DCU with the exception of man of steel, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the first things I remember talking to you about when we were hanging out was BBS and we were like, so excited because we thought it was gonna be great <laughs> it's just like, it's just like that our friendship was built on like poking fun at martha and the suicide and you squad was depressing you yeah. zoom out and it's it's old zach and old jp in the ether going no don't do it rotten tomatoes <laughs> bruce bruce oh my God. rotten tomatoes yeah, yeah, Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League is also on my honorable mentions. Yeah. And then my We're other honorable movie. mention is The um, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, did you watch that? I did. It oh, dropped really? on HBO Max um, day and date. I didn't know it, that. I didn't. It know came out that. in the summer, which makes no sense, but it stayed through Halloween, so I watched it during spooky season. It's good. I mean, it's essentially The Conjuring 3. They, I don't know why they don't call it that, but it's Ed and Lorraine, so you get Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga back. Um, and they are they're investigating a satanic cult, so it's a little different than the first two movies with like them possessing a house or a family or something. This is more of like a cult is summoning demonic possession to possess people in the town. Right. Um, some really good character building stuff, but also just like some spine tingling like horror moments, which is exactly what I needed. But the Conjuring movies are essentially now like the Christian Avengers, which is like, you know, <laughs> like they they come the, they come to they come through at the end and then figure it out. But um, I thought it was really well made. This one is not a James Wan directed, but it seemed pretty similar to the two that he made. It's curious that, yeah, it wasn't James Wan directed, but somehow they were able to get the two leads back for that. Cause I feel like usually you know, you swap directors, they might yeah. like ditch some of the cast. They should have just replaced Amber Heard with Vera Farmiga and Aquaman. <laughs> She'd be probably better. Dude, I. I Blondes, Vera, gotta love them. A little like side note, like I have just like this thing for Vera Farmiga where she seems like so like, like like ethereal i don't know i'm into it though kate bishop's mom let's go baby she's got that like galadriel syndrome yeah exactly she's very much like kate blanchett very much i'd like kate blanchett step on my scrotum (laughs) things that are things that were (laughs) and some things (laughs) that were never meant to be seen (laughs) um all right is it time for my honorable mentions yeah so I've got a lot. I saw a lot of movies in 2021. A lot of movies, I did but not watch a lot of movies. It's crazy. You're so, so much, much. You're so much better at watching them than I, than I am. But 
I don't know. Uh, well, so I'm going to try and blaze through these because I don't want to spend too much time on this because we got to get to fun. We got to get to fun stuff. Godzilla versus Kong. Um, it was okay. It was fun. Lots of fun stuff. Like, I mean, it's a fun action monster movie. What more, what more the fuck do you want? Um, nobody, the Baba Odenkirk action movie. That's like, it's yeah, like knockoff. It's like knockoff John wick, but, um, really funny. <coughs> and, um, doc Brown is in it. Oh, what's his name? Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd is in it. Christopher Lloyd plays Bob Odenkirk's dad in the movie. And he's fucking hilarious. That movie is, I don't think it's free or streaming on anywhere right now, but like, if you can watch that, that movie's totally worth a watch. It is a really fun action movie. Um, no time to die is an honorable mention. We don't need to belabor the point. We've, we've talked about it a lot. Really awesome bond movie. Loved really satisfactory conclusion for the, for the Daniel Craig era. Um, the green Knight is an honorable mention for me. Um, Deb Patel turns in a fucking ridiculous performance. That movie is so cool. Uh, you never got around to watching that, right? Nope. Yeah, The Green Knight is uh, really, really cool. It is a very much like a a fable classical story mixed with like a very traditional war story. Um, but it's really, really cool. It reminded me of a Guillermo del Toro film a lot. Like it kind of reminded me a lot of Pan's Labyrinth. But Did you see Carnival Row yet, whatever it's called? Uh, no, Nightmare Alley. That's what I meant. <laughs> no, Carnival Row. <laughs> I like that. That's good. <laughs> Welcome to Carnival Row. Oh, my goodness. Um, no, I still haven't seen that. But uh, Next on my honorable mentions was Luca. Excellent yep. movie. One of my favorite Disney Pixar movies in a long time. Uh, also I didn't helps. see a single Disney movie this year. That's crazy. You never even I saw. Didn't, I didn't watch Luca. I didn't watch Raya the Last Dragon. I didn't watch Encanto. I haven't watched any of them. God damn. And I don't know why. Where's your heart, bro? Where's I've been watching heart? Pinocchio to fall asleep. Is that weird? <laughs> like the animated Pinocchio? Yeah. When you wish the first like on a star. the first thirty minutes of that movie is ASMR. I swear, it's like all clocks <laughs> and like fucking <laughs> like wooden clicking and like crickets. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Luca, really, really good. Highly recommend it. One of my favorite Pixar movies in a long time. It also really helps that it's a very cool representation of my Italian heritage. Um. Yep. Reminds me a lot of my aunts, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and grandmothers. Um, Shang-Chi is on there. Really cool Marvel movie. Really awesome martial arts. I think it falls apart a little bit in the third act, but you know that's yeah. beside the point. Um, the other night, and this will play into my top five movies, I've, I've been on a musical kick, and I watched mm-hmm. In the Heights, um, which oh. is the, the Lin-Manuel Miranda-directed musical based on his own Broadway show. Uh, like that it? movie was fucking really, really cool. Um, the girl from that, the Chloe or whatever her name is, uh, she's going to be black Batgirl. Um, yeah. Hoo-wee! What a smoke show. Uh, she's yeah. awesome in, in, in the Heights. Um, I watched pig, the movie with Nicholas cage, um, where he's a pig. he, he, <laughs> He's not a pig. He's a farmer or whatever. He's it's Charlotte's trouble. Web. He <laughs> Charlotte. <laughs> the secret lies with Charlotte. 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that one broke me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Charlotte. What a gem. Secret lies. <laughs> um, yeah, Pig. So he plays like an ex-chef. Uh, and he owns this truffle pig. And the pig goes missing and he tries to hunt it down. Have you seen that? You haven't seen this movie, right? No. Have you heard about it at all? Yeah. Okay, it's like the most devastatingly sad movie I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, (coughs) I'm dying. Um, (coughs) I saw. uh, I saw. Don't look up. Uh, Adam McKay directed political comedy. Uh, same guy that directed like Vice and uh, Step Brothers, Step Brothers, and all that shit. Uh, Don't look up. Um, really, really funny. Um, the political commentary is so on the nose that you could like fucking smell it from like across the country. Um, but I actually kind of dug that because it's not being, it's not supposed. It doesn't feel like it's trying to be subtle with the political commentary. Um. Leo's really funny. Jennifer Lawrence is somewhat tolerable in the movie, which I think is really cool because I really don't like her very much, but I find yeah. her, I found her very tolerable in the movie. Um, she plays a very eccentric kind of personality. So it makes you, you know, understand her a little bit more as her being a, a little bit eccentric is what she is. Um, Timothy Chalamet, hilarious in this movie, just proving again, yet again, that this dude is like got a future in Hollywood. He's really funny. Um, really charismatic. Uh, Ron Perlman fucking stole the show for me, and I'm not going to spoil for you what he does in the movie because I do think that you would find enjoyment out of it. I'm going to watch it. I, you should I watch, to watch it. it. Yeah, I plan to watch but, it soon. Yeah, Ron Perlman in the movie is he has like, I'm not, this I will spoil. He has like 10 lines of dialogue. All 10 of them are 10 out of 10. Like, he's hysterical. Uh, Jonah Hill's really funny. Meryl Streep is hysterical. Like, it is a knockout cast and uh, the movie does take some pretty big risks. And uh, I really, really appreciated that. I think the movie gets better as it gets, as it goes along. Cool. Um, and then the last honorable mention I have is last night in Soho. Um, so this is a Edgar Wright's new project. Edgar Wright directed the Cornetto trilogy. That's hot fuzz, Shaun of the dead and the world's end. He also did baby driver. Uh, he also did one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Edgar Wright is like one of my top five, top three favorite directors of all time. I thought Last Night in Soho was really good. I did not think it was like fantastic. I think it might be my least favorite work of his. Um, but even that being said, like I thought it was still like a solid seven, seven point five. Like um, really entertaining. Amanda Seyfried is just gorgeous. Like and um, that new girl. So there's a new girl that's in the movie. Um, she's been in a couple other things, but her name is Thomason McKenzie. I don't know. Have you heard of this actress? I think the most recent thing that she was in, she was in that M night Shyamalan old movie, which looks so bad that I refuse to ever watch that ever. (laughs) But, uh, Thomason McKenzie plays the lead in last night in Soho. And she is by Amanda. Did you mean Anya, Anya Taylor joy? Oh yeah. No, I didn't mean Anya Taylor joy. Shit. Sorry. Not Amanda Seyfried. They kind of look alike, don't they? They do. But uh, no, I yeah, I totally meant Anya Taylor Joy. She's in Last Night in Soho. She is. She's great. Okay, gotcha. She's great. 
Thomas and McKenzie. Cool. I know you're talking about. Yeah, but Thomas and McKenzie's awesome. She's definitely going to have a really great career in Hollywood. Last Night in Soho is a perfect Friday night. You got nothing better to do movie. Like, cool. It's really, really cool. I think you will particularly like it because of its focus on classical Hollywood music and stuff. There's a lot of show tunes and that sort of like swanky sort of like swinger vibe. Yeah, that kind of vibe too. It's like it's it's a very cool movie. The 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 highlights of it are the set design, the production design, and the score. You Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you shit that. Get it. All right. That's all my honorable mentions. I'm sorry I talked forever. No, you're good. You're good. This is the category that I need you to, to come through on because I didn't watch many movies. Um, I needed that bathroom break before this. Whew. You're good. My, my number five um, is a movie that came out for Netflix called Passing, which uh, stars Tessa Thompson, and it takes place during um, like 1920s, 30s, Harlem, New York City, which is, it's a... Um, it is a story about uh, African-American women that are light-skinned enough that they could pass for white people and pretend their whole lives to be white people so that they could get married into rich families. Um, it's based on a book that came out in the 20s. It's not a happy story at all. It's black and white. It's directed really well. Tessa Thompson is great in it. It is a really important movie to watch right now, I think. And... It's not super long, but it's got some pretty chilling shit in it for sure. So definitely go check it out. I've heard a lot of Oscar buzz around this movie. Yeah, that's my number five. That's my artsy pick too. (laughs) If I I could say that, if I could say that I watched anything good um, in terms of like Oscar worthy caliber movies, that's probably one of them. Let me give a shout out to the director and stuff though, because I don't want to sell it short. It also stars Ruth Nega. Um, it's critically, I feel like it's rated a little bit lower than I would have given it personally. But oh, it's directed by Rebecca Hall from oh, uh, the Pres- oh yeah from the Prestige yeah. yeah and Iron Man three. I remember hearing about this because I remember seeing an interview or something with her where she was like, "Yeah, I'm directing a feature. I'm, I'm directing, directing a feature. A feature. Yeah." It's a feature it's, film. It was good. It okay, was good. Cool. It's just not, it's not a feel good movie by any stretch of the imagination. All right. Uh, my number five is the French dispatch. Um, nice. I'm an PTA? unabashed. What? Or Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Was West, PTA was a uh, licorice pizza. Licorice pizza, which I, that is number. That's like number one out of five of movies in 2021. that I still haven't seen. There's still a lot of movies in 2021. I haven't seen And Yeah. The PTA Anderson licorice pizza with, Alana Haim and Bradley Cooper and all that shit. It's like that, ju- that movie just got fucked because it released in a wide theatrical release Christmas weekend and Spider-Man. right around Spider-Man. And the only theater in Cincinnati that's playing it right now is the tiny art house theater in Clifton. That's Yikes. the only theater that's playing it. Like there was this whole news article that we, we didn't, we didn't talk about it on, on the show or whatever, but, um, Originally, it was planned for a 2,000-theater-wide release, and it got chopped down to 800 theaters nationwide because it was projected to do so poorly in the box office, um, which is really frustrating because it's like Paul Thomas Anderson has made a shitload of great movies, Inherent Vice, Boogie Nights, all these movies that are like, 
Boogie Nights, baby. All these great movies or whatever, and, and this movie has a stacked cast. Even though the two leads are unknowns, like Bradley Cooper and fucking other people. There's other, <laughs> there's other people in the movie, um, but like, yeah, it's really frustrating to me that the the only theater I can see it in is a little art house. But you know, I like yeah. that theater, so I will. I'll pay to see it. I just need to recover from COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but French, the French Dispatch, um, Wes Anderson, one of my all-time favorite directors. Um, it is by and large a Wes Anderson movie. Um, so it's no, it's very, it doesn't, the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree for this one. Um, it is very much what you'd expect from a Wes Anderson film. That being said, Wes Anderson movies are very, like, you know, for the most part, better than most of the things you're going to see in a theater. If you just threw a dart at a theater board on a random weekend, um, yeah. it just has so much soul. Um, it's a really interesting Wes Anderson movie because he's never done something like this before where it's an anthology where it's broken up into four different stories. So eat the, the whole movie is divided up into four sections and each of the sections is a different story narrated and told by a different person. And they vary in quality. I think the first one and the last one are the best ones. And then the two in the middle are kind of interchangeable. They're both really, really interesting. Um, but the first one is narrated by Owen Wilson, and it is hilarious. Like, laughing so hard I was crying. The theater was, the theater was like, eating it up when I saw it. Um, and then the last one is narrated by Jeffrey Wright. And it brought Ooh. tears to my eyes. And it is my favorite Jeffrey Wright performance to date. Um, Until you see that sweet, sweet Commissioner Gordon. That's the thing is that, yeah, I'm excited for Commissioner Gordon, but like, I know, I know that you don't typically gravitate towards Wes Anderson films. I know you've seen a few of them. Yeah. I like them. I just don't like, I'm not like a, Oh, I gotta go see the new. Gotta one go the see theater. it in the theater. Yeah. Um, as soon as you can see the love, French Dispatch. I love uh, Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic uh, is great. Yeah. Is Willem uh, Dafoe in this movie? I think he does have a cameo. Yeah. Okay. I love it. He's so funny in Life Aquatic. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's a run it back. I was not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, dude, uh, the the last the last story that they tell with Jeffrey Wright is the guy that tells the story. It is ten out of ten Wes Anderson. It is like twenty five minutes of cinematic bliss. It is his best performance to date. It's some of Wes Anderson's best writing. It is perfect. It is so perfect. You're going to love it. It is so awesome. Where um, can I watch this? I don't know if it's released for free anywhere, but you can buy it on demand for, I think, $20 or rent it on Vudu for like 8 bucks or whatever. Okay. I would rent it if it's yeah. available to be rented. Totally worth a watch. I mean, like, if you're really interested in watching the movie, I will buy it on my Vudu and just give you my password. That works. Benicio del Toro, my favorite. Oh, this? yes. His story, too, is so fucking good. Like, Benicio del Toro is so awesome. And, uh, oh, everyone's so good in this, dude. Timothy Chalamet is awesome. Francis McDormand is awesome. Like, this movie, French, it's so good. Like, and that's the thing is, like, it gets better the more you think about it. Um, yeah. It's a very cerebral Wes Anderson movie. But he just makes, he just makes dimes, man. He just keeps fucking knocking it out of the park. Yeah, he does. He does. Cool. Uh, my number four <laughs> is uh, No Time to Die, which we talked a bunch about. Fun Bond movie, fun movie. I'm just picking based off of the movies that I actually saw this year and sure. watched for the first time. But um, I had a fun theater experience. I'm glad I saw it on a big screen. 
Over to you. Over to me. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about it a bunch. He dies, yeah, by the way. Yeah. So we're on number four. <laughs> yeah. My number four is Dune. Okay. That's my number um, three. Okay, cool. So let's just uh, talk about Dune. Yeah, more. let's just talk about Dune then. Um yeah, Dune was a uh, you know, a movie I was really looking forward to because of the director, primarily. Like the source material has never super grabbed me. Um, I know that Dune is a very influential story, and it's something that, you know, a lot of science fiction writers and directors tend to tend to draw inspiration from, but I had never really been exposed to it. Um, I just knew that Denis Villeneuve was directing this movie. I love his work. I think Arrival was like the best sci-fi movie of the last decade. Um, and um, Blade Runner 2049 is fucking awesome too. And uh, I thought Dune was great. I thought the world was so imaginative. I thought the acting just across the board was phenomenal. The effects were great. Like, yeah. Just a really cool story, and and I really really love the ambition of it, the ambition of setting it at such a high scope and having the movie end on such a cliffhanger. Like, it really did. Like, and I know that this is cliche because a lot of a lot of critics said the same thing, but it's like, it really did give me evoke the same feelings of Star Wars. Like, it yeah. reminded me of, you know, not in the sense of the tone, because I think we talked about this on our Dune review episode. Was that the marketing behind the movie was like the next Star Wars, the next Lord of the Rings is here. And it's like, no, it's not Star Wars. It's not Lord of the Rings, but it might evoke those same feelings. It might evoke the same feeling of adventure and yeah, it's a world. It's a world that you can fall into. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Dune's a thing where you're like, you see something off in the distance. You're like, what's that? You know what I mean? In the same way that like you're in the Star Wars canteen and you're like, well, what's that aliens deal? You know what I mean? Or in Lord of the Rings. There's, yeah. you know, it's just like everything is so lived in, which is really cool. Yeah. My biggest disappointment with Dune is that I didn't get to watch it with anybody. <laughs> I saw it by myself in an IMAX or whatever, and it was cool. That sucks. But yeah, I really wished I could have watched it with you. And then we could have watched out, walked out and talked about it because it is one of those movies that demands discussion, yeah. I think. I don't think you would have wanted to see it with me though. Cause Steve and I just talked about the next one afterwards. Cause we both read the book. So you would have been like, no spoilers for it. <laughs> no, I, I feel like I know what happens in the second one. Oh, do you? I feel like I do. What do you think happens? This is a fun segment. I don't know. They all die. No, <laughs> that's not true. Timothy Chalamet becomes Jesus. Mm, Jesus loose interpretation, but yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, cool. Well, that was my number three as well. I, or it was my number three. That was your number four. Um, agreed. I think they casted it really well. Um, the visual effects is awesome. The way that they took what's on the page from Frank Herbert's novel and just like translated it was great. I feel like I've talked about this plenty of times, but Rebecca Ferguson, please come see oh on my face. Oh my god! Come on. Uh, um, <laughs> I feel like I've talked about this many times. Rebecca Ferguson sit on my face. <laughs> um, she's great. <laughs> Love the Ben and Jesuit. Um, and then Chalamet. Yeah, he's just a little star. Yeah, he's so, a little star. Big year for him. Big year for Zendaya, for sure. Mm. What's your number three? My number three is Spider-Man Far From Home. You mean No Way Home? No Way Home. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <I gotta laughs> I'm really curious to see what two movies you have above this. All these homes. Um, yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home is my number three. Um, I'm guessing this is your number one or two, so we should probably wait to talk about it. It's my number two. Okay. 
So you want me to talk about it now or just wait? Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, we literally have been talking about it for a month, so I don't know what else we need to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Um, Even more so, like, reflecting on it after the movie is over, like, it is really great. Like, uh, you know, it isn't just fan service. Like, I think that it really does a great job of of wrapping up the the Spider-Man MCU trilogy that we've had so far, the Tom Holland homecoming no way home far from home trilogy the home the home trilogy in a really nice concise way it like it leaves a lot of things unanswered you know makes you excited for the future but what it also does is it kind of like gives you a cathartic end for stuff that you didn't know that you needed and you know we're way beyond spoilers at this point this movie this movie's made so much more money than god so you know (laughs) leave if you want to spoilers but um bringing back Toby, bringing back Andrew, having the all three Spider-Men in the same room together, talking to each other is like something that I just didn't know that I needed in my life. And, um, yeah, we don't deserve it. We don't, deserve yeah, we don't deserve to work it. out that well. The villains being able to bring them back exactly as they were in their characterization and then have them change and like complete their arcs that they didn't get to in the, over the last 20 years of Spider-Man movies. Um, yeah. it's just really cool. And like, really emotional gut punch of an ending, but just like beautifully done. And like John watch be extremely proud to like nail a Spider-Man trilogy through and through with all of them being great. So yeah, for sure. Uh, it just continues to launch Tom Holland to the stratosphere. It's, if only he would stop doing things like uncharted, but well, hopefully that's one thing that's a learning experience and then he won't ever do that shit again. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, so that's so that's my number two. What's your number two? My number two is the Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. The All Suicide right. Squad. Um, what more can I fucking say? I mean, we talked about this on that show. Like, I that this movie has only become more of a thing for me. The more, the farther away I get from it, the better I love it. Like, there it is. I am Polka Dot Man. TDK. Uh, TDK's Polka Dot Man. Send out the detachable kid. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, the Suicide Squad is genius. It is genius. It is literally, I think it's the funniest comic book movie that's ever been made. Yeah. I think that it is the most goriest and, like, adult-oriented comic book movie that's ever been made. Yeah, and only Warner Brothers would let James Gunn make that kind of comic book movie, which is, yeah. like... It's the best thing that happened from him getting canceled, essentially. <laughs> Seriously. And, like, yeah. I think that the the Suicide Squad is such a... It is such a breath of fresh air for the, the superhero genre, the comic book genre. It's, like... It really is the best experiment in the world, where Warner Brothers was like, okay, let's take the Suicide Squad and make it into a feature film. On one hand you have the worst fucking piece of shit that's ever been made on the face of the earth. And on the other hand, here's James Gunn with an unbridled vision that he gets to pursue. And of course it's like a cinematic gory, fun action masterpiece. And it's like, you know, it is really a, a dissertation what in studio involvement and what a good creator can do <coughs> with source material. Um, <coughs> And I just loved it. The soundtrack, like, um, I have it on my record player. I finally got it in the mail. I, I ordered the special edition Starfish Graham vinyl, and I got <laughs> yeah. that in the mail. 
The soundtrack is awesome. The action is awesome. The actors are great. Fucking, yeah. I just love this movie from stem to stern. I think it's funny. I think it's emotional. Like, I laugh until I have tears in my eyes in the scene with Bloodsport and Peacemaker killing yeah. the kill off in the in the the village in the resistance camp. Yeah, and then at the end when Ratcatcher is having the vision of her dad, like t- talking to her, where she's like <laughs> Taika. Taika, where he's like he's like. Rats are the lowliest of creatures. They have purpose, and so do we. And then she has like tears in her eyes, and I'm like crying. I'm like, "Fuck, dude, this is so good." Um, yeah, I just think yeah. that the, the Suicide Squad broke so many molds for me, and it it really shook up the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think it's it's it is very close to a perfect action movie. Like, I really can't think of very many things I would change. It's so creative too, the way that yeah. they the way that they weave in different t- like. I love how it's like the five minutes before this or 10 minutes before that. And it syncs up perfectly. Or it's like all of the environmental cues for like what's happening, like operation save Harley and all that stuff. Like, I don't know, man. It's like, I think the suicide squad is a genius movie. I think it, I think it will age like a fine wine as well. Yeah, I agree. And that's why it's my number one. Uh, (laughs) Bury the lead a little bit there, but you did bury the lead. My boy. This movie is amazing. Yeah, um, it's amazing. One of the best openings to almost any like action movie that I've seen is just the oh come on Folsom Prison Blues kicking it in with with uh, Michael Rooker Savant. We follow him into that battle, and then everybody <laughs> fucking dies. Did anyone check to see if the weasel can swim? <laughs> <laughs> it is just really, really it's well done. So and fucking it's, good. I, I, going back again to like things that are like a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? Like I haven't felt that this was an, like this is the most original comic book movie since into the spider verse. So yeah, easily. Like, I think like, I think those two belong like in the top 10 comic book movies just for like how insanely unique and and well constructed they are. For sure. I agree with you. I think it's going to continue to get better in a way that like, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home is like really great and it's like got so much nostalgia and it's just going to be really utterly rewatchable. I think the Suicide Squad will age for very different reasons, but it will also continue to be utterly rewatchable. And I think when we get on the back half of all of this stuff or far removed from it, when we're old men waiting to die alone, like (laughs) I think we'll be like, I can't believe the Suicide Squad exists within the DCEU because it doesn't doesn't fit, like fit those at all. And here's the thing the fact man. that Margot Robbie's in it and Viola Davis. I mean, here's the, here's the thing is that I think that this movie is so good that it transcends universes. Like yeah. I honestly do think that no matter what happens with the DCEU, no matter what happens with Marvel in 10 years, if I really want to watch an awesome action movie from when we were in our twenties, I'll put on the suicide squad and be like, this was just such a good movie. Like, yeah, it's like a fucked up war movie. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so fucking good. It's so funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> John Cena is up and he's like, why is he in these tidy white? He's like, hey, that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's so, so, so good. And also, shout out um, to David Dasmalchian. Talk about another guy that we should get on the podcast. Um, Polka Dot Man, yeah. that actor. Just he's been that dude is like the secret nerd lord, man. Oh yeah. He's, he's in Dark Knight. 
He's in fucking Suicide Squad. He's in Ant-Man. He's in like everything. He's in Dune. That dude's got a great career. I wish I could be that guy. Like you're not like Timothy Chalamet levels of famous, but you're in all the big shit. Like that's perfect. He'll be in the Star Wars show too, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so that was your number two. That was my number one. That was your number one. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I love you so fucking much, you big, oh you big Ted son of a bitch. Just slap Ted your, on the ass. What's your number one? My number one is Tick Tick Boom. There it is. Um, I was waiting for this. Yeah. So John knows I'm a sucker for musicals. <laughs> Musical. Musical. Um, and it's funny because Tick Tick Boom was like the last movie I watched in 2021. And it also just happened to be my favorite of the year. Um, it's a Netflix exclusive starring Andrew Garfield, um, Vanessa Ann Hudgens, which is a name that I haven't heard in a long, long time. Um, lots of other unknown actors, a lot of theater prodigy prodigies. Um, but the movie, do you know anything about the movie? Uh, no. Okay. So I want to hear your, I want to watch your eyes light up for this one. Uh, the movie uh, follows the story of a late twenties, uh, Jonathan Larson. Okay. And I'm not fucking around. Uh, there's has a guy John seen this. Yes, he has. Okay. Um, Does he agree? Does he co-sign this? So the, his name was Jonathan Larson. He was a playwright and a, and a songwriter who lived in, uh, Boho in New York. And okay. Jonathan Larson was the guy that eventually ended up going on to be the playwright for rent. Okay. All right. You know no, I have heard about this. I know rent. 525,600 yes. minutes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Jonathan Larson was a prolific young playwright and he passed away literally the night that rent went into like open Broadway production or whatever. And he passed away because of like an aneurysm that was undiagnosed. And, um, leading up to the production of rent, like rent went on to be this fucking giant commercial hit. It like was on Broadway for a decade plus. And it's a giant monument for, you know, the treatment of gays and, and uh, you know, how, how it dealt with the AIDS epidemic in New York and stuff like that. And Tick, Tick, Boom was one of his first musicals. That was an off-Broadway musical that he personally performed in the city um, that never got picked up. But the original soundtrack is on, is on Spotify and stuff like that. But Tick, Tick, Boom, the movie is a artistic reinterpretation of that story. And gotcha. uh, Andrew Garfield plays Jonathan Larson, and it's like it's just about him on the days leading up to his thirtieth birthday, and his whole thing is that like, and I don't want to spoil too much about the movie, but he's like, the whole premise is in two or three weeks or whatever, I'm turning thirty, and all these prolific people turned thirty and had all these great musical things done. Stephen Sondheim had all these musicals written. The Beatles wrote all their best albums before 30. And he's like, I want to do something great before I turn 30. And the whole movie is him writing this play that's going to go into like a workshop and to be shown before all these people. And I, it is the most gut wrenching, 
like feel good. It is, it is literally a perfect movie in my opinion. I think it's a 10 out of 10. Like, I think that it is, it is awesome. It is, it is so well acted. The songs are so great. They're all lifted from his original Jonathan Larson's original broad off Broadway show. So you can find all of his original works on like Spotify and shit, but the new versions that they have Andrew Garfield and like all the new voice cast record, they're all awesome. And all the songs are fucking bangers. And, um, it is really good. Like it is, um, like I can't remember the last movie that I literally had an open mouth cry moment during Uh, than, than this. Um, okay. It just, and this is how I know that it's like, yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home, I had more of the the tinglies in my body. The Suicide Squad is more funny and more groundbreaking in terms of action and comedy. Dune is a sci-fi spectacle. The French Dispatch is like artfully correct c- created and shit, but when I look back on it, Tick Tick Boom is the movie that this year that elicited such an raw emotional reaction from me that there's no way that it can't be my number 1. I think it's the best movie I've seen all year. Um Bar none. I I loved it. I highly encourage you to go check it out. There it is. The the Swanee goes home to tick tick boom. <laughs> and I won't be shocked if this I don't think it's gonna sweep the Oscars because I do think there's a lot of Oscar contention this year, but it'll, I wouldn't be shocked well. if I wouldn't be shocked if Andrew Garfield is nominated for uh, best actor. Cool. At least. Cool. Very nice. All right. Well, let's talk about eat this uh, cherry here. Yeah, let's talk about some stinkers. Here at the Swannies, we like to we like to shine light on good and bad. Yeah. And uh, let's just talk about some of our worst things of 2021. Let's do it. You know, let's, let's roll through it. I actually, I only have two things on my list. Oh, really? Um, I have 17. No kidding. <laughs> we'll breeze be a through. Long night. No, uh, we'll breeze through them. So my first thing is. Uh, political it's uh people that are eligible to get the covid vaccine not getting the vaccine so go get the vaccine come on guys unless your doctor tells you you can't get it it's not a microchip it's not and even if it was a microchip come on don't we all want better cellular plans yeah microchips are cool it's gonna boost your data yeah and eventually you'll be able to pay for your taco bell by putting your wrist on the thing yeah come on and then my second thing, and then I'm going to clear out and I'm going to go through your list of you. My second thing is uh, Space Jam, New Legacy. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Oh, fuck, dude. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Terrible. That movie was so bad. One of the worst oh, movies I've seen in a long no. time. Wow. Yeah, long I forgot time. about that. That shit was awful. Terrible. Um. All right. Number one on my worst of 2021 is Venom 2. I've yeah, already I didn't s- see it. We yeah, talked I've, about this. I've said my yeah. piece. It's terrible. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, number two, The Matrix Resurrections. Okay, uh, I haven't watched it. I probably won't now that you told me it sucked. Yeah, I don't. I didn't love it at all. I, I but the weird thing is, is that I've seen a lot of Twitter over the last few weeks where people are like really into it. Like, there's a sect of people on the online that really, really enjoyed it. So I don't people know. Just like to think that it's more like deep than it actually is. That's Maybe. how the sequels were. I think. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was like a solid five out of 10, like cool, some cool action, some cool performances. Neil Patrick Harris gives a really good performance, but uh, dude, fucking, 
what's his name? Neo. Who plays Neo? Keanu. Keanu. Keanu gives some, there's some lines in the movie where you would think that he's fucking stoned. Like, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number three is the CGI troll in Eternals. <laughs> I need you to comment because I can't talk forever. The CGI troll in Eternals. I'm trying to. Pat Oswalt. Oh, Pip the Troll. Pip the Troll. Yeah, worst post-credit scene in a Marvel movie. Um, not only <laughs> not only is the troll looking bad, but Harry Styles is in it, and that's just awful. I don't want to watch a Marvel movie starring Harry Styles. I don't have much against Harry Styles. I'm, I think that he could probably turn out... He, I mean, he's an entertainer, so I'm sure that he's probably a fine... He stole Jason Sudeikis' wife. <laughs> really? Yeah. Who's Jason Sudeikis' wife? It was Olivia Wilde. That's why he made Ted Lasso. Oh, Olivia Wilde. Oh. (laughs) That's what Harry Styles is doing. (laughs) Good for Harry Styles. Number four is Tom Holland being in the end credits for Venom. Yeah, that sucked. Remember how shitty that was? Number Uh, five is Venom being in the end credits. (laughs) Number five was the Uncharted trailer. Okay, yeah, so we've talked about this extensively, but they also dropped the second one, and it's worse. Yeah, so. number six is the second Uncharted trailer. <laughs> <laughs> number seven is the Uncharted poster. Yeah. yeah, that movie, oh, my God. It's puberty. It's going to happen to you, too, someday. Oh, my God. That's the last scene in the movie, by the way. I know. They rhinoed us again. <laughs> they rhinoed us. They rhinoed us again. How dare they? How dare they? Yeah. Uh, number seven is Rob Gronkowski's in AACP ad. You mean USAA? USAA, sorry. Yeah. Those are like my least favorite commercials. But it's I'm me, sorry. Rob Gronkowski. I'm special. Oh, busted. It's Super Bowl champion Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> I fucking hate that shit so much. Get him the fuck off that. That's terrible. Yeah, they should have Antonio Brown did the USA commercials. <laughs> Yo, it's Antonio Brown. <laughs> What do you mean you're not going to let me make a bank account? I'm not No, yeah, totally. My father's a member. Starts taking his clothes off. Uh, Number eight was the Apple Watch drowning commercial. Mm, Have you seen this shit? I don't know if I saw this one. So this was playing all throughout. This was playing all throughout uh, college football playoffs. I was trying to watch UC, the UC uh, Bama game, but then it was also... All of this past, yeah, it's all right. It was all this, hey, Bengals AFC North champions. You know what I mean? There you go, like, baby. You know what I mean? I can't who day? fucking, who day? Who day? Who day fucking day. think we'll beat them Bengals? Uh, Joe Mixon also has COVID, so. <laughs> so this Sunday against the Browns, I'm pretty sure we're going to be just sitting all of our starters. Um, But, uh, yeah, oh, my God. The Apple Watch drowning commercial. So it's it was playing all this past Sunday for, like, playoff, like playoff contention Sunday. So it was, you know, the New England game, the fucking Bengals game, but it's, like, all these happy-go-lucky commercials. Ah, la, 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 la. Oh, don't you want to drive a Ford? Don't you want to drive a nice car? Oh, look at this. Oh, what, Spider-Man, no way home in theater soon. And then there's this, like, really sobering, dark commercial for an Apple Watch where it's, like... Um, I'm watching it. Where it's, like... I have Excuse seen me, this. ma'am. I uh, I fallen off. I'm at a farm and I broke my leg. And it's like, is there anybody around you? Can you hear? And is anybody around you? And it's like super anxiety inducing. 
and I hated it. And I think that that commercial played like 10 times during the course of NFL Sunday. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Uh, number nine, Taylor's version. Mm. Come on. Do we got to have a Taylor's version for everything now? I disagree with you on this because I don't want the Swifties to come after me. <laughs> Go get him. <laughs> he likes Abby. Jake Gyllenhaal. Go get Zach. Jake Gyllenhaal's better actor than Taylor Swift. I have no comment. You know it to be true. <laughs> uh, number 10, the rise of Pete Davidson. Question mark. I feel like Pete Davidson has like risen to prominence this year in a way that he's not in the last five years. I don't know if you watch, but New Year's Eve was my worst night of COVID. Like New Year's Eve was like the night that I was I the sickest it. because of COVID. The, and the Miley crying. thing. Yeah. yeah. Was that not the worst shit you've ever seen? I thought she was fine. It's just the fact that they like included him. Into Dude, she crazy. sounded like she smoked three packs of Marlboro Reds before she went on stage. She was like, I mean, hey everybody, I'm Miley. <laughs> I mean, she probably did, but it's it better than awful. Ryan Seacrest. I've seen that ball drop a million times. I wanted something new. I know, but dude, Pete Davidson making like testicle jokes like five seconds before the ball drops. I was like, this is not, (laughs) this just feels wrong. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't like Pete Davidson very much. Yeah. He gets Uh, shot in the head in Suicide Squad. So all of you guys out there that don't like it, you can watch that. Yeah. Number 11. It's going to be Kanye West's favorite movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's on here. That's on here too. Hold it. Hold your horses. Uh, Number 11, Army Hammer's a cannibal. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, number 12, Astro World. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Tough, tough, yeah. tough hang. Yeah. Really bad shit right there. Like yeah, concerts terrible. are killing people. Just, um, just absolutely tragic. Yeah. Really, really shitty. Uh, what's a great example of what like not planning and not any foresight yeah. can do and like the harm that it can do, especially when yeah. you're dealing with crowds. Um, yeah. was really, it like 70 really something people or something it's crazy it wasn't 70 people that got killed I think it was only like 6 or 7 people that died right but like 70 people got like like hospitalized injured yeah, yeah. which like during COVID there's no rooms at the hospital <laughs> yeah right so. um, number 13 was this was an early one the ship in the Suez Canal remember that shit this was, is this the worst or is this amazing because the <laughs> memes are great <laughs> The but this is like bad, dude. Like this halted a bunch oh, of product yeah. for like my no, store. It's terrible. Absolutely like, terrible. We couldn't get a bunch of shit in my store because like the, all these products were halted in the canal. Trader Joe's didn't have any frozen food for like three weeks. Really? It was crazy. Yeah. Damn. The best meme though is Boromir's fucking <laughs> canoe stuck in the <laughs> canal. <laughs> That's good. Uh, number 14 is NFTs and Game Stonk. Yeah. Game Can't forget about that really- shit interesting yeah really interesting love the fact that our money can just get trolled <laughs> yep the economy's a joke baby it's all a joke it's all a big laugh um number 15 for the worst of is the couple weeks covid was over remember this yeah yeah this is the worst thing ever i i'm I, there's a couple things after this but i'm confident that uh this was the worst thing about 2021 was i feel like it was late july or something like that where Every restriction was starting to ease up. My bosses, oh, my bosses were like, you guys don't have to wear masks at work anymore. I was yep. like, it's over. It's over. And then literally two weeks of that happened. And then it was back to masks, back to distancing, back to everything. And it was like, why'd you even give us the taste? Yeah. It was awful. Not good. Um, number 16, 
bad year for music, I thought. Bad year yeah. for music. Like, no good music came out this year. I also think something that's troubling me is it's this year was the rise of the TikTok song. Yep. I feel like most of the big music that came out this year was like, oh, that's a big TikTok song. That's like... <sighs> Like the Applebee's like, song. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Applebee's on a Friday. <laughs> Applebee's on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. That shit sucks. Yeah. Um, number 17, R.I.P. John Madden. Yeah, that was sad. Um, crazy. I mean, what a crazy legacy, like, in addition to, you know, the passing of Betty White. Like, you got two of these, like, whole older classical figures in the in the community in the entertainment community and like you know i mean madden has like the biggest legacy of sports video games ever made and you know he's a yeah. prolific coach for the raiders and shit so you know good for him but also damn sucks that he's gone yeah yeah um and then i've got these aren't bad things but miscellaneous 2021 before we move it on to the last category <laughs> I like it. Okay. Bernie's mittens. Remember Bernie's mittens? Classic. Classic. We have them on our fridge. <laughs> uh, number two, J Lo and Ben Affleck. Come hey, Benifer's back, baby. <laughs> uh, number three is is Kim Ye, Kim and Kanye. Oof. Uh, yeah. What a weird, crazy fucking thing, huh? Also, just the Kanye album release in general, just crazy. Bad shit. That's a bad album. Um. Number four, hashtag free Britney. Mm-hmm. The Britney Spears conservatory ended. Uh, yeah, the documentary. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, number five was Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Miscellaneous indeed. Miscellaneous. All right. Well, All right, host. <laughs> Take it away. <clears throat> As my co-host hacks his lungs out. Um, we're going to look ahead to the future, to the horizon, young Skywalker. 2020 you, 2020 me, 2020 you. Let's do this. Radiovania, we're bringing it all year long as usual. But what are some of the things that you and I are looking forward to as we, as we look ahead for the rest of the year? I know for me, in terms of like pop culture content, I'm very, very excited still about the Batman. Yep, that's um, number one on my list as well. That is number one for things to see that I cannot wait to watch. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder is also high up on my list. I think it's supposed to. It's slotted to come out later in the fall. Um, and the Obi Wan Kenobi show. I again, until we see the trailer, I'm still very hyped about it. I don't know if the trailer will change my feelings towards it, or if Book of Boba Fett will change my feelings towards it. But it has the potential to be a, a really great. Disney Plus show in the same way that like Loki and WandaVision were like nice singular stories. So, yeah. Come on, baby. Bring Come it on, in, baby. And then yeah. um, God of War Ragnarok. That's also about. on my list. I'm very excited about that for sure. Um, not excited about Uncharted, <laughs> the movie. Uh, although no one north keeps trying to endorse it, and I'm just like, oh, honey, <laughs> who's holding your family? Oh, hostage? honey, <laughs> honey, what is he, baby? What is what? He? Oh, baby, what did they do to you? Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, we had nine total Marvel properties in 2021, and there's supposed to be even more than that in 2022. Yeah. Um, 
I'm anticipating a lot of them to be good. I just hope it doesn't like fatigue me. I am a little worried about too much Disney Plus shows. But we talked about that way back on our Disney Plus Day review. Um, and then I think we're actually supposed to get Mandalorian Season 3. So I'll add that to my list as well, too. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. I've got the Batman, God of War, Ragnarok, uh, the new Doctor Strange. I mean, it's hard to overlook what we've already been teased about. But Multiverse yeah, Madness, true. I'm really stoked about. I love me some Sam Raimi. I'm excited to have him back in the MCU. Um, I'm excited about Lightyear. I know that that's silly, but like, oh, I, I forgot about that. I think that that movie could be really good. <laughs> it could I think be. that trailer could be like is a, fucking it awesome. It could be like dude. Wally. Yeah, uh, Jordan Peele's next horror movie is coming out. It's called Nope. Um, yep. Nothing's been released except for that poster. But given right. Get Out's amazing and Us is amazing, so I'm I'm so super excited about whatever that dude does next. Um, Spider Verse Two coming this fall as long as it doesn't get delayed and then black panther 2 the coming this year as long as it didn't get delayed either both of those movies super excited about um also a big number eight for 2022 the lord of the rings amazon series is supposed to premiere this year Mm. that's a big one that's a big unanswered question mark in the world i feel like we should have seen something by now unless they're being very reserved which i could appreciate do you have to be though it's like all new characters for the most part. Sure, but like I think you could sell that to a lot of people by just saying new Lord of the Rings free on Amazon if you have Amazon. I'm just saying in a world where Marvel exists, given how it's worked out for Star Wars, like I think you need to market it a little bit more. Otherwise, well, it could just be white noise. We'll see. I mean, if it comes out this fall, I don't think you need to start marketing it until the summer. I agree. But like a teaser would be nice. Like get sure. the conversation going again. Like let's talk about some Middle Earth more than like sure. And like we should be talking about Middle Earth more than Clint, Clint Barton. <laughs> so. Um, number nine on my list is Moon Knight. I'm really excited to see what they do with Moon Knight and Oscar Isaac. I think that that's he's a, really seems he's like a, a cool weird property. character, but Oscar Isaac's great. So yeah, I agree. Hopefully, hopefully he pulls it off. Um, I've got Obi Wan on here. Obviously, just like you, I'm excited about Obi Wan. And then the last two things Please. here. Are, I need a win so bad. If the Obi Wan <laughs> show is not good, let's manifest the universe gonna, that it's good. <laughs> I know. If it's not good, I'm gonna be. Gonna, I'm gonna go be lost in the desert for years. You're gonna have to find me. <laughs> and then my last two things are video games: is uh, Starfield, which is the new RPG from Bethesda. Pete Hines, the same guys that did Fallout and the Elder Scrolls, like. Yeah. I really, really am really hopeful for a, you know, it's an open world space RPG in the vein of a fallout in the vein of an, of a Skyrim. Like that's a huge anticipation for me. And then the last thing is Hogwarts legacy. You know, we had our, you know, our spy, uh, Spider-Man, our Harry Potter 20th anniversary conversation, but like there's never in the history of ever been a really, really good Harry Potter video game and nope. having terrible. a triple a, create your character, have it be an RPG, learn your studies, fight bad guys and Hogwarts, like having a really deep RPG uh, for the PS5 is, uh, I think, a recipe for success. I really hope that they nail it. Oh, here's another game. I've been I've been anticipating it for years. Um, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. It's finally coming out. <laughs> We've been Christ. talking about this game for three years. Oh, my God. You didn't think that Lego games would be easier to make. They used to be so simple. I know. 
better be the best one. Like it better it be like the be. largest. It has to be like the largest Lego game ever. Like I don't know how it could get delayed. It's not like no, it's gonna be a triple A no, seventy dollar like, Lego game. Yeah. I'm in. You're in. Give me that All Mandalorian right. give me that Mandalorian DLC. Let me run around with little Grogu. I bet they're both in it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Right? Is that the end? That's it. We That's the end the of the Swannies. Congratulations to all of our winners. Uh, again, brought to you today by Costco. Um, <laughs> get a hot dog. Get a pizza. Get a hot dog and a soda for a dollar fifty on your way out. Oh, uh-huh. Zach's gonna open a Pokemon card pack. We're gonna to open a celebrations out. pack to see if it's any good luck for the end of the year, or to start the new year, or to start the new year. I forget how to open these. Carefully. Can't see it. All right, I could kind of see it. Is that bird thing? Yvettel. Yep. Lugia. Is that other bird thing? Lugia. Cosmog. Ugh. Boo. Pikachu. Mm. Well. Chonkachu. It's not bad. I've got yeah. a lot of this guy, but at least he's cool to open. He is cool to open. And gentlemen, ladies, people of all ages, thank you for listening to Radiovania throughout the year 2021. We hope that you continue to uh, enjoy our content in 2022. If you like the show, please subscribe on all the things Radiovania show at gmail.com or on Insta, radiovania.com, Radiovania on Twitter. Email the show for questions, things to discuss. I think Zach and I have a. Um, a pod that we've been slowly discussing for a long time, which is to finally sit down and over the course of probably four hours, talk about our top 10 favorite films of all time. Um, so hopefully you have that to look forward to this year. Uh, if you like the DCEU in review, there are other movies coming out this year <laughs> that we can add to that. I think yes, there are supposed to come out this year. So that'll be interesting. Um, and maybe we'll do another deep dive project going forward, like uh, a biocast or uh, maybe a Star Wars in review or something. Ooh, Star Wars in review. At it's Cal. waiting there. It's At waiting Cal. There. Come on, baby. He's ready. He's, He's ready. ready. The Rogue One podcast will be like the happiest Cal, and then like the Last Jedi podcast will be like the sad Cal. Sad so Cal. Like, <laughs> He's got to be on those two at least. Oh, um, yeah. For sure. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Zach and I thank love you. doing this. We like to hang out with each other, but you know, for those of you that do listen and, uh, you know, care about our lives and, and care about it long enough to sit here and listen to old, two old farts, talk about shit for three hours. We really appreciate it. So I normally I'm not closing it out, but Zach, give me a the suicide squad quote to take us into the new year. I was happy floating amongst the stars. (laughs) 